This week on the Jock and Nerd podcast, we've got some awesome new season two trailers for the Umbrella Academy on Netflix and The Boys on Amazon. And we continue our journey through the best year in movies, 1999. Geek Boner! As we discuss Being John Malkovich, Magnolia, The Iron Giant, and Office Space. All that and more, all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Thursday, July 9th, 2020. <laughs> you know who this is, and you know why you're here. You want all the latest comic book and superhero TV and movie news, and by God, you found it. Forget everything else out there. Forget all the Scientology bullshit. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. Worship at the feet of the holy trio of geekdom. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Play it. Check. Check one. All right. This is really fast out there. Let's give it up. Jock and be nerded. Be funny. Disturb it. What's up, listener? How's it going? Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. And he's the nerd. <laughs> and he's America's favorite felty. In fact, a favorite of several independent wrestlers. It's very bizarre. Uh, of course, it's Rug Boy. What's up, Rugs? I think about uh, me on the face of Ru- Mount Rushmore. I think about uh, uh, the, the, was it, the, is it fifth head? The five founding fathers? Yeah. The felty father. The, that's there's four of them. That's why they were the forefathers, right? Isn't that, yeah. is that how that works out? Oh, that oh, fuck. <laughs> that, oh, oh that was that's all for a pun, Imran. Yes, that's very very bad. Uh, Boo! Um, sorry. Yeah, uh, Anthony. Yeah. Let me ask you this. It appears the Rona uh, ain't going anywhere for the moment. Uh, no, especially in this country. No, right? It's not going anywhere. No. No. Yeah. So, what do you think people need right now? Uh, ball trimmers. <laughs> yes, they need ball trimmers. But that's not the answer I was looking for. We'll get oh. to that later. Oh. Uh, yeah, but listener. Well, to make masks, because all that extra hair. Oh, you would, you're you saying. Make, you can weave it into a mask. Oh, weave it, yeah. I did not even think about oh. another. Instead of like, you know, you donate hair to make wigs. Right. You donate your ball hair to make masks. Uh, oh, fashioned pube masks. I don't know. Uh, what? It, okay, maybe maybe they should stick with the mask we have on our. I have a better stuff. idea. Yes, well, listener, you're gonna. Do- I like the mascus pubicus idea. <laughs> mascus <Yeah>. pubicus. <laughs> maybe I'll do a custom piece of that. Let me know. But for right now, listener, we got masks at our T Public merch shop. Just visit slash shop There will be a link in the show notes, and all of our designs you can buy as two different mask models. You're gonna need a variety of masks. You want unique masks. Uh, and remember, at the beginning of the show last week, uh, Pat Downey was wearing a mask in a retail store. We all guess what the retail store was. I thought it was Kohl's. Anthony, you thought it was the men's warehouse. Rug boy, you thought it was TJ Maxx. Anthony, big winner confirmed. Jesus, 
Yeah. Anthony, have you been inside a men's warehouse? I have, but not voluntarily. It was because of a wedding and the, the groomsmen had to go into a women's warehouse to get their suits. I would not... I'm not a men's warehouse type guy. I am quite impressed with your knowledge of interior retail stores, though, Anthony. That was an amazing, amazing was, deduction. Yeah, I couldn't. I didn't know how you got that one. <laughs> that's got, that's got to be uh, work great with the ladies, right, Anthony? Is that something that uh, I thought it was like maybe he worked at one, so he knew it like so well or something. I'm like, how did he nail that? I don't think I don't even think knowing that that's a men's warehouse would get me anywhere no? with any ladies. No, <laughs> I mean, I know, I know what different stores look like, but. I don't think I don't know if that helps. Being fashion forward would help, or having some decent fashion. There's a use for that skill somewhere. We'll figure yeah, it out. Man, you're pretty fashionable. Well, I, am I? I don't think so. You haven't seen I mean, you wear your belt up around your nipples. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm representing the elderly. You know, I, I want them to know that I feel I'm with them. I'm their generation. Uh, you guys haven't seen my hair though. It's fucking wild because I haven't had a haircut in a while. Like, what is it? Like, are we talking about like Doc from Back to the Future? A little bit. It's we- all over the place, sticking up and around, and uh, it's just a mess. I can't be seen. Is it, it white your hair? The spots, parts of it, <laughs> in the side, in the back. Are you combing it over? No, I don't need to comb it over yet. No. Uh. Anyways, Pat Downey also wanted <laughs> me to a lie. Let you know. That's a huge lie. It's not. <laughs> it's a I huge bald have, spot. What are you I, talking it's about? Just really I think thin. you should try the Trump thing where you just like no, just no. roll it from the back and just yeah, pull it all the way forward. Not funny. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that look. It's not. It's not a good look. My look is I need to paint in the top of my head just so the glare doesn't bounce off my white ass skin. Uh, Pat Downey also <laughs> wanted me to tell you that he bought a rug boy mask. Rugs. Oh. Yes. Oh, shit. I didn't even know there was a Rug Boy mask. What does it look like? So it's got your logo on there. So all oh. the designs on our store, you can put them on masks. So that means, listener, you can literally buy a Rug Boy t-shirt, Rug Boy mask, and you will have Rug Boy all over your face and chest. Talking nerd. Just like oh, that. Just like Imran. Just like that. Just like me. Uh, here's a funny story. My wife ordered some masks. You know those, uh, the fabric that go all the way around, the stretchy tube kind of masks that you can print things on and they go all the way around your head, right? You see mm-hmm. those. So she bought a couple of uh, golden retriever animal prints because we have golden retrievers. Guess what fucking animal print she bought me? This is kind of funny. A panda? Yes. Yeah! She bought me a panda mask and I put it on and you couldn't tell I was wearing a mask. Oh, shit. It literally, I am a panda. It looked exactly like my facial hair. It's too funny. Damn, I got it on the first try. You did. Well done. So shout out for my wife for being funny. I thought that was hilarious. Well done. <laughs> All right, look, we got a little bit of geek news before we dive back into 1999. Let's get to it. The Jock and Ned Podcast. Two new trailers just released. Really fun, exciting, violent for two awesome comic book based shows on two different streaming platforms. I am talking about The Boys Season 2 trailer from Amazon. And we're going to start with Umbrella Academy season two trailer on netflix the first season of this show was so long ago does anybody remember how it ended no no i i, I really don't that's did they reset lot, the I, timeline here's i i had to go back and refresh and read a recap i know anthony this is not your favorite show no it wasn't my favorite show and i i had forgotten as well so watching the trailer was very confusing you know, you could say we forced you to watch the show because, well, we forced you to watch. Oh, the show. shit. Uh, so here's remember, this is what happens. It's, you know, if you've never seen the show, this is your uh, uh, based on a comic book by uh, Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba about a 
crazy uh, family of superpowered people, you know, falling somewhere between the X-Men and Doom Patrol. You got like X-Men type power set and Doom Patrol type wackiness. The end of the first season, remember Vanya, who was seven or eight, she becomes the white violin. She becomes the bad guy, evils out, and yeah. they stop her. She kills Pogo, the chimpanzee, and kills a bunch of people. She destroys the Umbrella Academy building. They stop her, but not before a giant beam of energy shoots up into the moon, breaking it apart, causing the pieces to fall to Earth, and causing the end of the world, something they were trying to stop for the whole 10 episodes. It's hilarious that they don't stop the end of the world. Seven or five, uh, uh, the guy who has the time jumping abilities, uh, in the last uh, desperate move as the world is blowing up around them, grabs everyone. They become kids of themselves, which was confusing. And then they time jump away. And that's all we saw. Now, Anthony, what do we find out? Second season, what, what have you deduced is going to happen? They go back in time again and things are all weird because they're in a different timeline. Well, they're in 63 and they've, it's appeared that they've also brought the end of the world back through time with them. See, that's how much I cared about this trailer. <laughs> I already forgot what happened when I watched it. I love I it. did watch it. I swear to you. I, I know. I, I believe you. Ruggs, what'd you think of the trailer and this uh, 60s uh, story that I believe is uh, part of the second volume of the comic that's really good? It's called Umbrella Academy Dallas. Everything hinges, I guess, on the assassination of JFK. I thought it was basically what I expected because I did see this. I, I did not read this. I have it. I just didn't read it. I haven't read it, it either. So, um, so I kind of know that it's about that time time period and JFK. So I wasn't surprised by that, but I was kind of like surprised how much I forgot about it. Yes, <laughs> and like I didn't care, and like so this has a lot to to do to get me back in. Like, I feel like that it's got a lot of work to do to get me to care and to kind of buy into it again. So, um, I don't know. I'm like, not that jazzed about it. I feel like that what I saw on screen was kind of cool, but yeah. like at the same time, like I have to give a shit and the giving a shit is really like not there right now. I mean, I feel you kind of, it did remind me of how much I did kind of enjoy these characters and the weirdness and, you see, like, Klaus is kind of like I hope a, I'm wrong. I hope yeah, I'm wrong. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Klaus is like a guru. Uh, the big dude is a boxer. Uh, and you got uh, the, the time commission chasing after them. Uh, it looks fun and crazy like the first season. So I'm kind of jazzed. I'll give it a geek boner. Geek boner. You know, floppy jock. It's a floppy jock from Anthony. I it, feel like do-overs are never fun because you feel like you make so much progress and then yeah. you back to square one again. Well, so, uh, again, it seems like the plot is similar to the first season where they again have to stop the end of the world. They have 10 days in 1963. But you got a dude here who has a fishbowl for a head with a goldfish in it. Oh, shit. I love that image. Uh, that character, I want to find out more about him. <laughs> That dude's Fishbowl awesome. head. Fishbowl it's head. very little to get you very excited. It does. You are absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> Mysterio with a fish in it. Yes, it's Mysterio with instead of a yeah, he's got a that's what I always thought was in Mysterio's head was like a fish in a terrarium. It should have been a fish. Should have been. They blew it. This is coming out at the end of this month, July 31st on Netflix. All episodes will be released as they do. Anthony, what are the chances you're gonna watch this season? Only if you guys make me I, watch it. I'm gonna make you watch it. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> what? Get the fuck you out of here. You gotta talk about something, Anthony. 
Something new. Yeah. <sighs> power through it. You'll power through it. This next one, though, I think both of you guys are probably excited about this, and it's the second season of The Boys on Amazon. Now, does anybody remember what the fuck happened at, yeah, at the end of this Yeah, because it was memorable. Okay, yeah, what, was it? what was it? Do you want me to go? Or Anybody. Rob, Somebody. I did the last one. <laughs> okay, this one, you find out at the end that um, Highlander, what's his name? Homelander. Homelander. Oh, he's uh, creepy. Had a kid with Butcher's wife, who Butcher thought was dead, but she's been in hiding this whole time. Yep. And we also find out that Compound V, which has been given to all these babies to make them into superheroes, has been distributed out in the world to terrorists so that they can militarize these superhumans and get more money. Force the so. government to let right. the supers in the military. Also, remember, Homelander kills Elizabeth Shue's character, who was the head of Vought at the time, and he just squishes her eyes, doesn't he? Squishes her head or lasers her eyes. Yeah, he lasers, lasers her. Yeah. Fucking, listen, first season, violent, hilarious, disturbing. This Wasn't tr- Elizabeth Shue in Karate Kid? Yeah. Uh, yes, she was. Yes. And Leaving Las Vegas, and Adventures in Babysitting, and a bunch of other things. Cool. Uh, this trailer, Anthony, what did you think? It's fucking super violent. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was more of what you would expect from a show that did the things that it did last season. So I wouldn't say I was crazy jazzed, but I was like, this is exactly in line with what I would expect. And I will definitely watch once it comes out. Rugs, thoughts on uh, season two? Where it, uh, There's like three trailers. Right. Yeah. So there's yeah. There's like the the actual proper trailer. Yeah. Then there's like a three minute thing of uh, I don't know remember the name the the snake eyes looking dude. Well, th- uh, that's Black Noir. That's the first three minutes of the first episode they release, and it's right. There's like seven violent deaths in that first three minutes. Oh, oh yeah, shit. it's pretty fucking insane. It's and so violent. It's great. There is the uh, the new girl trailer. Uh, where, that is Stormfront. Yeah. They, so you have like her introduction. Uh, you can see that too. So there's a lot like you can get a little bit of a feel of what's going to happen. And I'm kind of excited, especially that uh, the thing that I'm most excited about is that um, Homelander is not jazzed that this girl is on the team. He's uh, like Star- really starlight. No, no. Stormfront. Oh, Stormfront. Yeah. Stormfront looks like the, the foil, the Homelander. And she's got like electricity powers and can fly and shit. I didn't see the Stormfront trailer. I did see the the opening with was that Black yeah, like, Noir? Black she Noir. Basically, yeah. She yeah. basically like shows up with her cell phone on a live stream, kind of like blowing up everybody's spot. And uh, you could see that like she's got the you know she's got the phone up to Storm uh, to Homelander, and he's just and, not gonna and, like this. And he does not <laughs> like what's going on here. But he's pretending to just be nice. But you can tell that he wants to fucking blow her away right there. <laughs> she's like Instagram famous in this world. Like, you know, probably has a ton of followers and live streams and everything. I like seeing Homelander still a dick. Like, there's a quick shot of him pushing his son off the roof. I think he's teaching him to fly. And he's just like, go on, son. The kid just goes flying off the roof. That's fucking yeah. hilarious. It's hilarious. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think that I was impressed by the first season. I was like, going to hate watch it. And then I was like, oh, it's fucking winning me over. I'm like, God damn it. I like this show. Who wrote this again? I forgot. It's not Garth Ennis. It's the other uh, guy. Kripke? No, no, the the book? Yeah. The boys comic is by uh Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. So it is Garth Ennis. It's yeah. Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. Sorry, Eric Kripke is the showrunner of the show. Well, Garth Ennis is the one who did Preacher. Yes. So he's got this fucking this shit on lockdown. This so I can't wait for this to come out. This one though, here's the little finicky thing happening. 
Uh, it will be on Amazon September 4th. On that day, they will release the first three episodes. And then the shows will be released weekly after that. I don't, oh, shit. I don't know if, uh, what do you guys think about that? The Doom Patrol did the same thing with season two right now. I mean, I don't know if this is what they're doing now. I'm not really all for it, but whatever. I mean, what's, I think Amazon can do it. Yeah. Because it's Amazon. It's not Netflix. I don't think Netflix can pull this shit off. Explain, explain that so they're doing a short film okay so then this is the other thing uh they have made there's a short film about butcher f- that will feature the time between the two seasons i guess there was a lot of stuff they tried to explain what was that because at the end of last season he goes on the run and i guess he's hiding out for a while which is why when he comes back and he says that line daddy's home uh and he gets the boys back together so after the premiere of the second season they're going to uh, put out this short film that's apparently integral to the viewing experience for watching the second season. There will be references to what Billy went through in that short film throughout the second season. So if you don't watch, according to this article, there may be moments where what's being discussed doesn't make any sense. Why not just make it part of the show? I guess they said, I, I, from what I can understand, they said it interrupted the pace of the show and it just didn't really fit. And they didn't want to waste it. They shot all this stuff about Billy Butcher. But it was probably like lengthy flashbacks that would have made the show longer unnecessarily. I think this is kind of fun. You watch the first three episodes or the first because I don't think he comes back until the second episode. You watch the first episode. You watch this movie. You go back and continue. Uh, both of these shows I'm 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 really looking forward to. And both comic books I also hear are very I don't good. get that whole process. We didn't want to put it in because yeah. it interrupts. Then we're going to stick it in the second episode anyway. In front of the second no, episode. No, but it is the option. It gives you, I don't know. Yeah, but you got to right. watch it. They said still, if you don't you watch, watch it, it, you're going to not understand some so shit. So they're cheating a little bit. This is complete bullshit. Loophole. Anthony, yeah, comment on bad. this. Do you understand now? It sounds like a big fuck up. So just a little, <laughs> little mini episode film in between just because they didn't know how to write it in. I don't know. Well. I'm I'm just confused. So uh, Rewind. Because I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> he was swiping left or right. Fuck that show. Stop swiping on what Tinder. What else are they doing that's unique for this show? Uh, the first three episodes are going to come out September 4th, but then it's going to uh, be weekly release. Oh, right, What right, do you right. think about that? You got the patience to do that? I think that's stupid, too. <laughs> okay. And then, so... <laughs> Although, I think I think they're trying to draw it out so that you, you, know, you, did, you don't subscribe for a month, binge it, and knock it unsubscribe but my preference would be and i will probably wait and, and just want to binge oh, yeah. everything all at once i yeah. think the buzz lasts longer when you do weekly release the these uh netflix shows like we just said we forgot about umbrella Academy. i mean forgot what the fuck happened yeah, good point because it all comes out at once you watch it in two days and then you're done you move on what the fuck did i just watch you know what it sounds like they filmed all this stuff and they were planning to for the butcher movie planning to have it in the series and they had moments in the show that were referencing that. And when they cut that out, they were like, oh, fuck. But none of this shit makes sense. If we take this out, let's just put it out as a movie. Okay. I don't know. That's what it sounds like. Sounds bad, whatever it sounds like. It's more boys content. I don't know how you could be mad at that. I'm not mad. I just feel like it's not clever. <laughs> it's like some bullshit. <laughs> Well, we got a couple of months till that comes out September 4th. Listen, I'm watching it because I I need, first of all, I need something to watch. Yeah. Second of all, this show like impressed me. So I'm like, 
down to see what they do next. And I mean, right now, this is our only saving grace is new TV series is on streaming and video on demand releases until fucking things, if they ever work themselves out, at least we're getting some new content. Uh, so I'm excited. All right. Let's move on to part two of our best movies of 1999 series. Let's go back in time. Uh, last episode, if you're a new listener, you haven't checked out, definitely go back and listen. We kind of talked about the big four of 1999, a movie, a year. It's quite possibly the greatest year in movies. Uh, last episode was The Sixth Sense, American Beauty, Fight Club, and The Matrix. Top tier, all great movies. And I think that this, the whole theme of these movies yes. are movies that came out in 1999 that you might have missed. Okay. Well, I was going to ask, how did we choose these four, which mm. will be Office Space, The Iron Giant, Magnolia, and we're going to start with being John Malkovich. Anthony, what, what were, uh, why did we pick these? Was that their criteria? I think that's a good overarching criteria. We also wanted a vi- variety of movies, and I think this is a a decent variety of some of the more crazy, um, eccentric comedy. We got a cartoon or uh, an animated film, so it's just a, a wide variety of things. Also, for what it's worth, not that I'm um, you're Mr. Oscar, not completely selfish, yeah. but I picked all these movies. You did because I'd never seen any of them. Oh, oh, okay. So you had never seen any of these. I like that. Where they're all four different genres and. There was just tons of crazy, awesome genre movies that year. He kind of likes picked these four, and I was like, you know what? These kind of go to when I was, I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? These kind of all kind of complement each other in a weird way because they're all like off off of center. Yeah, they're not like sure. mainstream hits. They're things that probably got their life on video. Yep, or like or artsy fartsy movies. You know that like probably not everybody went to go see. And, you know, one of them's three hours long. You know? uh, so, like, yeah. so like they all have like these things that are not, you know, mainstream movie appeal. Uh, but they're all worth watching. And they're, you might have missed them. You might, you might have like not ever seen these or these have never come up. So um, some like Office Space probably more than others. Like Iron Giant's probably more ubiquitous. But like for the most part, uh, I wasn't surprised that Anthony didn't see these. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's not like he they're all like must see movies or whatever. Yeah, there are, you know, it's going to be fun because there are themes that are similar within these four movies and themes that are, go back to the last four movies and last episode. It's just like, there seems to be a theme for the year. So of course, spoilers for movies that are 21 years old. Here it is. Spoiler alert. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Spoiled. Let's begin. <laughs> I should add a little, Whoop. It needs a slide whistle in there. Uh, let's start with the being John Malkovich on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie's at 93%. Oh, shit. 8.13 out of 10. Average rating. Box office. This movie was made for $13 million. Ends up with a worldwide box office of $32 million. Uh, not the worst, not the greatest. Uh, directed by Spike Jones and written by Charlie Kaufman. This is both of them making their feature film debut. It was nominated uh, Best Director for Jones, Best Original Screenplay for Charlie Kaufman, and Best Supporting Actress for Catherine Keener. Let's just talk about Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman for a second. Anthony, are you familiar with the Spike Jones? I am now. Oh, you? you- I, I've, I'm aware of. I was aware of Spike Jones, but I'm more aware of him. 
coming up, leading up to this movie, and then obviously after seeing it. Rug, Spike Jones making some of the craziest, most fun, iconic music videos. Right. Well, I, I, I got introduced to Spike Jones through uh, Big Brother, the skateboarding uh, oh, magazine. Yeah. And Spike Jones uh, was the guy who kind of like took that and made Jackass. Okay. And then, he, of course, he did a bunch of rock videos, uh, Sabotage being the big one. Buddy Holly, the Boys. With Weezer. Yeah. yeah, great yeah. videos. So um, he did great music videos. He was into this, into the skating, uh, you know, that whole subculture. And then he was also kind of the guy who helped Jackass get its start. So, like, he's kind of into, like, crazy shit. Like, he's into – but the, his movies are actually very intellectual. Yeah. Which – a guy who likes fucking shit jokes and like shoving cars up people's asses also <laughs> likes, Amazing. you know, who likes uh, kung fu movies and cop movies and this like highbrow shit as well. Um, so it's it's kind of he's kind of like a, a genius in a lot of ways. Right. I, I remember seeing his face a lot in Jackass. Yeah. But had no idea who he was. Just I just remember him. Oh, he's the guy kind of directing everything. He's All right, the cool, jackass whatever. guy. He goes on to direct adaptation and her, and uh, also some, two great movies. Yeah, by the way. and still and does still does videos. Charlie Kaufman, on the other hand, this guy's written some great movies. My other uh, favorite from him is The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with Jim Carrey from two thousand and four. I fucking love that movie. It is great. Hopefully someday we can talk about that, but he's also done adaptation and uh, just obviously a very original, unique pair uh, for this movie that stars uh, John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, an almost unrecognizable role. Uh, And of course, John Malkovich being the main uh, cast and Catherine Keener as Maxine. Uh, Anthony, this is interesting. You've never seen any of these movies. This is going to be great. Never. What happens in being John Malkovich? I can't wait to hear you explain this movie. Being John Malkovich is about a guy played by John Cusack, who is a out of work puppeteer. And he's married to this woman played by Cameron Diaz, who is, um, obsessed with animals. <laughs> yes, he loves animals. And he is very unhappy because he's out of work and unhappy with his life. So he lands a job at this weird place where all the walls are much lower than they need to be. And at this place, he meets Catherine Keener, who is someone that he just falls in love with immediately. And at this job where he's fallen in love, he finds a portal into being John Malkovich for 15 minutes yeah, and getting dumped on the Jersey Turnpike. When you're done. And the movie is about all those things (laughs) and his journey into being John Malkovich and how that revolves around uh, getting those people that I mentioned involved in being John Malkovich. They tried to monetize being John Malkovich and there's a long line on the seven and a half floor. Uh, this is this movie is on the 99 mindfuck movies list uh, that we posted we talked about. Uh, what did you think, Anthony? <laughs> this is definitely one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll do the same thing I kind of did last time. So I think this movie, if I had to put this movie as a theme in, in a word or a phrase, I'd go with escape. So all the a lot of the people, um, mainly John Cusack, but also Cameron Diaz, yeah. a lot of the older people, even Catherine Keener to an extent, they all want to escape what's going on in their life. And they found this 
really strange fucking portal to do that or to uh, enact some of their fantasies or what they want or find things that they want to discover about themselves. I found the movie to be very weird, very interesting. I found it to be really well written at times and very funny. Some of the lines, yeah. especially with the old guy in the, in the seventh and a half floor, yes. had me cracking up. Um, so overall, I mean, really fucking strange, but perversely entertaining. Not my favorite film, but more like, oh, cool, interesting. Why, why am I laughing? It's hmm. it's bizarre. What's 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 going on here? What is this guy going for? Okay, all right. That that was basically my reaction the entire movie. I do love how uh, the secretary there just doesn't understand anyone. Can't, he, can't hear, yeah. <laughs> Mister Juarez. Think, think, thinks, and then the old guy thinks he has a speech yes. impediment because of it. I don't know what you're saying, sir. Oh, fucking hilarious! Uh, I've ha- I've I haven't seen this movie in years. And did you rewatch? I rewatched it? all these movies. There's only one nice. I had never seen, and I will tell you that when we get there. I did rewatch it, and I forgot how fucking funny and smart and original and unpredictable and surreal and strange this movie is. Rugs, what are your thoughts on the Malkovich? Well, when I had was told I had to rewatch this. I was like, ah, oh, geez, gonna rewatch this fucking weird ass movie again. <laughs> and I put it in and, or I put it on and, uh, I was laughing. I was, I was getting, I mean, there was parts of it where I was like, oh, I know what's gonna happen here. But then there were some things that just tr- truly made me laugh or some things I thought that was very clever, how they just juxtaposed these things. And then, you know, especially now in this whole like, uh, you know, progressive time that we live in, that there was like this kind of like trans movie going on Mm. subtly in this, not least subtly, but like they kind of did this trans thing. So I think there's a lot of things that were kind of ahead of their time or or forward thinking. It's just a crazy thing. I I was really on board with this film until the end. And then the end kind of screwed it up when they found out there was a bunch of old people that were going to go into John Malkovich. Right. And that kind of ruined it for me. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, ah, they fucking blew it right there. I think there was a different original ending. Uh, You didn't like that the old people were going into him? Yeah, I thought that that was stupid. I thought that that was a whole. I I, I like that there was no explanation for it. That no Uh one knew why it was. And it was just something that you just was just there. And that you could just. Maybe one day, like, be digging in your basement, and you'll find a fucking portal to a the random fucking, portal. Yeah, I I'll, kind be, yeah. I'll be Sofia Vergara or something. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, because yeah. they kind of explain <laughs> away the mythos by saying every forty-four years that we, we have a chance to live on, and then the his the kid, the baby that they're gonna have, will be the next one. So they kind of like explain. Yeah, it, it ruins it. They needed a it way. It does. It ruins. It ruins the whole charm of the movie yeah. and the fun. It, it kind of like they tried to, I don't know, it was a, some half-baked bullshit. And I'm like, ah, oh, they didn't need to do that. It seemed like he just needed a way to get those three people out of out of the Malkovich. Because at that point, Craig and yeah, and so there, It does Diaz fall apart uh, at the very end. But I think up until that part where she goes to see the old guy, and Cameron Diaz goes to see yeah. the old guy, I think it, it's working, it was working really well. But what just a fucking original idea and absurdness. I read that, uh, Kaufman had uh, two different ideas for scripts that he smashed together. He had an idea for a movie about what if a man loves someone else other than his wife. And then he's had an idea for what if I could be John Malkovich for 15 minutes. 
and he smashes these two together and it's like the uh, uh, themes uh, that uh, are are come up again in all these movies identity like you said escapism anthony but also loneliness self-loathing and like you said rugs love transcending bodies and genders and the control and it's just an amazing absurdist comedy well the one thing i'll say about rugs's comment is I, I didn't mind the ending as much, but I just didn't get... I. It would seem to me like all those old people were in vessels already. So Because that, that one old guy, the boss yeah. of the seventh and a half floor... Yeah, Lester. He, he talks about being living since like the 1800s or something. Oh, yeah. So I just didn't understand how you could fit all of those bodies in It didn't make vessel. sense yeah. to me. It just didn't make sense. It did. It wasn't like, oh, that's genius. I'm like, no, that's that, you're really forcing it. But it is you know, so, hilarious when they check up on him and he's acting like an old person and Charlie fucking Sheen shows up twice, which is well, also hilarious. I think the first Charlie Sheen scene Damn, yeah, was good. Yeah. is fucking amazing. He's trying to talk him <laughs> yeah. down. I'm like, he's like, I'm gonna freak out. She calls you a lot. That's hot, dude. Don't lose that. He's like, <laughs> That's fucking, let me know when you're done with her. <laughs> fucking Sheen being Sheen. Uh, but let's talk about Malkovich. What a, like, it's a kind of an incredible thing that this movie called being John Malkovich actually gets John Malkovich to be in the movie and that he's taking he's jabs at himself well like yeah well John Malkovich is like this actor that he's been in like a couple of movies in, in memorable parts but like I mean he's like you can't really name all the movies he's been in he's been in this one and like Con Air right he was in Space Force just recently well, he was in he was in a uh, dangerous liaison that's another liaison. big He's, and that was it, right? He well, is great in everything. Yeah. But you don't know what he's in. You can't like just name it off the top of your head. Like, what is he in? Uh, I just named yeah. three movies, right? <laughs> I, I couldn't think of things that he was in when I was watching this movie, and I was going, interesting. They cast this guy who's maybe not as famous to just do a parody of himself and make fun well, of he's, himself throughout the movie. He's like movie. a Christopher Walken type guy. A he's, bit, like, yes. he's in like... He's in a bunch of movies and he's great in every movie, but he's not like the go-to guy. Like he's not like a, a lead actor, right? He's kind of like always a supporting actor. Best known for an IMDb. The first thing is being John Malkovich. He was remember he was in the Line of Fire. He was the assassin with a wooden gun, and then oh, yes, Dangerous yeah. Liaisons, and uh, yeah, Arkansas, which was a small movie, came out. I, I really enjoyed when he had to play John Cusack as John Malkovich, that was and amazing. then became that, a puppeteer yes. eight months later with the long hair and just being real weird and conducting interviews, and then having the life size. I mean, the movie is just so fucking weird, but strangely, I enjoyed it. I mean, the puppets as a puppet myself. Yes, I was <laughs> impressed with the puppeteering. <laughs> And all of that stuff. But they're, thought, mar hey. they're marionettes. Get the terminology right, or they're going to well, come yeah, after us. Well, yeah, those are the fucking highfalutin motherfuckers, and fuck you. Like, I like a hand up my ass, And that right? was largely <laughs> all real marionette work. Like, the puppets were fucking amazing. Like, the marionette like, oh, work I'm was so good. I never get fingered or anything. Yes, no. yes. <laughs> they don't have like, that fuck you, marionettes. Listen, one day we'll have our due, but they had like they have one movie. We have the fucking Muppets. Fuck yeah, you, Yeah, fucking marionettes with your strings and shit. You think you're hot shit? Just because yeah. you have more, and then one of them was like somebody in a costume. What? Yeah, there right? was a, yeah remember. one yeah. of them, but most of the it ballet. I was watching you fuck. The, I, know. I mean, he had him do somersaults with the fucking strings on. I was like, no, no, but some of it was yeah, some of it was a little, but most of it was really impressive marionette movement, uh, and I appreciated that. You don't really see that a lot. But wait, back to Malkovich. 
First of all, him playing Cusack, like you said, is amazing. Him doing the dance in a towel is fucking amazing. When he goes into his own head is my favorite parts of the movie. Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. It's so disturbing. It's a hot girl body, body and you got John Malkovich's head on top of it. Uh, everybody is Malkovich. Unbelievably original and creative and bizarre. Uh, I fucking, I, I love it. I loved it. What, what do you guys think? Spike Jones in tandem with what's the writer's name? Charlie Charlie Kaufman. Kaufman. Like, what do you think they were going for here? I think that they were trying to be super clever. All right. Because Malkovich is like uh, a cinephiles, like guy, character actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're going to use this guy that we all know. Cinephiles really like. Um, So we're going to, and we're going to kind of poke fun at this, but at the same time, we're going to kind of do all this clever shit. And have all these themes that we would never, you wouldn't see a movie about a girl being in love with another girl, uh, and wanting to be a man. That's like all these weird, all this weird shit. Like he fucking at one point puts his girlfriend in a cage with a monkey. That got a little weird. Right? He like shoved her. And <laughs> yeah, then he it was threw like her a weird, there's some the weird dark shit oh, in this movie. It does. It gets dark and it came out, you know, it surprises you that moment. You know, they take a jab at New Jersey. Of course. You know, they do it all. Of course. Kaufman said that he always had Malkovich in mind for this, that it wouldn't have worked with anyone else. So it's really like they're trying to be clever. I also think they're playing with uh, surrealism, absurdist comedy, making this kind of made surrealism mainstream in movies. Uh, You know, it reminds me of like how Beck's song are just random and surreal and silly. Like that thing was popular at the same time. I love this absurd surrealist. And actually, Ruggs, I didn't even, I agree. Like, I wish they didn't explain it at the end. Now that I think about it. Yeah, I think that that ruins, ruins it. the end of the movie. I I think that they, they they had like they had it chugging along. They were fucking smarter than everybody in the room. Yeah, and then they just kind of end on like this subpar, half baked idea that we're just supposed to be like, oh, you're not that smart now. <laughs> you know, like that wasn't that that wasn't that brilliant of an ending. But ending things is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, I found interesting. You notice Mac, it's like a four way love story, but Maxine didn't ever actually want to go into Malkovich. She enjoyed Malkovich when either Craig when else yeah, or Lot was it. in there. I thought that was that was that was a very weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a very specific <laughs> weird fetish. Can I call you Lot? Call me Lot. he's like that's a keeper dude that's hot what are you gonna gonna keep that girl uh good stuff again i i still i still really enjoyed this movie on a second watch i thought it was i thought it was pretty fun yeah until the end yeah very i mean just it's a great uh example of the originality that yeah definitely very original and and very very strange definitely belongs on the mind fuck yes it does definitely belongs on the list because my friend told me and i didn't do it yeah because I don't smoke all that often. He's like, you definitely should uh, light one oh, up yeah. and just watch Makes this. Now, what is it about the ceilings being low? You ever notice that, like, John, uh, not John Malkovich, but John yeah. Cusack yes. is always walking that way anyway. He's always hunched over. This is so character. he's like, so yeah. he's like the perfect guy to go work there because he already walks like that. He's a really fast filer, too. Nimble and fingers. And they, the reason why they made the low ceilings was it was like the, the oppressiveness of an office yeah. job yeah. and how it just crushes down upon you. And they just wanted to kind of amp that up by making the ceilings low but then making an absurd thing yeah. so you're kind of 
not thinking about the oppressiveness of it and you're just thinking how weird it is. That's a that's a similar theme in another movie we're going to talk about. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then the story that it was made for to accommodate little people in like the 1800s, fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so funny. <laughs> They're just making shit up. But yeah, seven and a half floor. <laughs> Uh, because, what great. does he say? If I was 80 years old, I'd box your ears. Boy. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 105. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just insert my penis into her. <laughs> it's got, it's got, it's, it's, it's so the, weird. For me, the funniest part, I mean, the, the endings and all, I mean, not the ending, but the John Malkovich stuff is clever yeah. and funny, but I, I was dying when, when he first is in that office and that lady can't hear him and he thinks he has a speech impediment <laughs> and, just, just the dialogue back and forth is so fu- so funny and absurd. He's constantly apologizing for yeah. something he doesn't have. That was some good. Right. That was really good shit. I love what he said. She's like, I can understand you perfectly, and he's like, Oh, that's sweet, dear. <laughs> Thanks for humoring me. <laughs> it's good stuff. She, she, she he, what does he say? He's like, I have, a, I have a, I'm, I'm happily married, and she just goes, I don't understand a word you're saying, <laughs> you bastard. Yeah, man. So, oh my god, I remember that, and I was like, wait a minute, she does know what he's saying. She's fucking with everyone, Mr. Juarez. Uh, it's actually Schwartz. <laughs> so funny. Uh, listener, let us know what you think about this movie. Join the conversation. Join our Facebook group. It's called the Jock and Nerd Nation. And it's an awesome place where you can chat with other listeners who listen to the show. Like-minded people. Everyone is a very cool. Uh, they, our listeners are some of the most amazing, talented, good-looking, greatest smelling. <laughs> you like how I laughed. I, uh, I couldn't even hide my <laughs> my the laugh at, at the good-looking. Shut up, comments. Anthony. I'm trying to do a thing. They're all great. They are very handsome. I mean, Jordan Wall. Uh, come on. Uh, Jock and Nerd Nation on Facebook. Let's move on to our second movie from 1999. This one is Magnolia on Rotten Tomatoes. 83% it gets a 7.48 out of 10 on the average rating. This one's made for $37 million. Walks away with the worldwide box office of only $48 million. Uh, this was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Written when he was... 28 uh this is this isn't his first movie right you know he did boogie nights paul thomas anderson coming off of boogie nights this movie has uh an impressive cast list and it's because it's fucking over three hours long oh shit it's a long movie uh featuring tom cruise who also does eyed wide shut the same year Jesus. Yeah. Jason Robards, Julianne Moore, William H. Macy, Felicity Huffman, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, John C. Riley, Patton Oswald, Clark Gregg's in this, Philip Baker Hall, Thomas Jane, Alfred Molina, Luis Guzman. Uh, and I didn't even mention some of the lead characters. Thomas Jane was in this? Thomas Jane has a brief cameo. Oh. Uh, and who plays... Oh my God! There's so many people in this movie. Uh, anyway, it's Anthony. And I'll yes. swing it back to you. First time watching this long ass movie. First time, yeah. What happens in Magnolia? And try to be brief. It's going to be hard. It's a long movie. <laughs> this is about how in life there are these things called coincidences that might not be coincidences. Or are they? And there's just a series of people in this movie. That this is going great. Are dealing with grief or dealing with pressure or trying to figure out who they are or have some sort of abuse. 
it's just there there's like five or six different situations one one couple one being a kid who is on a game show who's being pressured by his dad then you have a a grown up who is in that same position we have a guy that uh his father left him and he's now a coach in how to pick up chicks and then you have another man that's dying and his wife that's much younger than him that's dealing with it and then you have another guy that's the host of a game show who's sick and then his daughter who's been some something's happened with his his dad her dad and it's making her a drug addict and then you have a policeman who's kind of patrolling and has some issues with his manhood and being a policeman so yeah it's it's kind of confusing it's a movie that you have to kind of watch because it's six or seven storylines that are interweaving together. It, it's all takes place in one day. It's all, I was going to say, it's all happens in one day, San Fernando Valley, 12 characters. And how they're all related through coincidence. Kind of a jigsaw puzzle of a movie. Uh, opening with that kind of documentary scene, talking about strange coincidences, things happening, that these things just happen. Are they coincidences? What did you think, Magnolia? Anthony, and I will say this, I, I know what you're going to say, because I checked out your letterbox rating. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I like that you put up the list of best 99 movies, guys. Follow Anthony the Jock on Letterboxd. I yeah. did. I ranked all the new 99 movies that I've seen and put it on Letterboxd. Uh, what did I think of this movie? Ah, oh, man, this is a very <laughs> long, pretentious movie, in my oh, opinion. Shit. <laughs> oh, shit. I really wanted to like yeah. it. There are points that I like. I, I like Tom Cruise's little storyline. He's fantastic. Frank Mackey is amazing. Yeah, that's a good storyline. I like the kid actor. Jeremy Blackman. I like the kid acting, like the, the little storyline he had. And I like John C. Riley in a role that isn't straight yeah. comedy. But overall, this movie is also on the 99 movies that are my oh, fuck is list, it? by the way. It's on it the is. my fuck list? Huh. Stop. Yeah, I mean, it's the movie go, breaks into a, a musical in the middle and then has a uh, raining oh, frogs I, at I the guess. end. Yeah, this is a really this is a strange, pretentious, overly long movie that, for the most part, I, it has a lot of deep theme, themes, but it's just not that entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking long and so pretentious. It's sprawling reminded me kind of of Los Angeles, how it's just sprawling city. Uh, of a city of suburbs, you know. It reminded me of kind of like Crash. Yeah, yeah. Before Crash, in terms of the interweaving storylines and the the coincidences that maybe aren't coincidences, but I, I don't know. I found Crash to be a, a more fun movie than this. This is not a fun movie. No, it's not no. a fun movie. And it's not for no. everyone. So I'm not surprised no. that you had that reaction. It's kind of a challenging movie. And it does at all culminates in a biblical reigning of frogs, which is so bizarre and and weird. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? But I kind of like no one ever addresses it, by the way. Well, Stanley, Stanley, the kid is the only one who's like these things happen. He's the only one who's not surprised. Everyone is surprised. But Stanley's like, this is stuff that happens. Rugs, uh, what are your thoughts on the Magnolia overall? I saw this when it came out and it was like a butt breaker. I was like, when is this movie is. fucking over? And I was like, maybe I'll like it better once I'm watching it in the comfort of my own basement. And, you know, and so uh, I never went and tried to watch it again for obvious reasons. Then I watched it uh, for this and uh, I was haunted by it. Yeah. 
I was very haunted by it because uh, not that see it is not a fun movie and it is it is fucking overly long. It doesn't have to be this long, but I do think it deals with regret. Yes, and 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 it, it makes you think about the darkness of your own life. Absolutely, and um, that all of these people are broken and, and fucked up because of their parents. Yeah, sins of the parents. Absolutely. And, and how they get passed on. And, um, but there is a little bit of hope in it. Yeah. Um, because there's a, like a budding love that's going to go end in disaster, you know, it. but like, I don't know. I feel like that it, it really was like kind of this movie that illuminates the despair that probably always happens in LA. Yeah. You know, with, uh, wanting fame and, you know, doing all this stuff. And having like a TV show or whatever, different pressures to try and be somebody or trying to forget your past or trying to deal with it in some way. Some people like Tom Cruise's character chooses to kind of like rewrite his past and reinvent himself. Uh, I don't know why he hates women so much. It would be nice to know that in the fucking long ass movie. Like, Wouldn't it made more sense if he hated men since it was men who kind of fucked him up? Yeah. His dad specifically. Yeah, but maybe I don't know. I really don't know why he chose to be an asshole like his dad. Yeah, I guess his, yeah. his dad was an asshole to yeah. women, so he maybe he he tried to justify saying, "Well, that's the only way you can be with women." So I'm that's what I'm gonna do. So yeah, so there is a lot of weird shit in this movie, and I was haunted by it. I just I wish they would have resolved the 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 whole worm thing. Oh, there's some extra. Yeah, there's a char- the kids rapping about the worm, and there's a character called the worm, and I think there was some and extra. Orlando shit. Jones yeah. plays him. Yeah, and they never you never see him on screen, oh or you never they never resolve. He's that. also in another movie we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah. I think that probably got cut. I mean, it's fucking three hours long, which it it does draw you in right at the beginning. And I, I, this is only the second time I watched this movie. What did you, what did you think of it? I, so I watched, I had seen this when it first came out and it's kind of a movie that you just need to watch once really, or give it a lot of time in between watching it again. I found it, you know, super ambitious by PTA and kind of compelling and fascinating, personal, emotional. And yes, rugs, same thing. It brought up all these thoughts of, uh, regret and, and bitterness, uh, and wanting forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, so it, it brings things out of you and sadness and loss. Uh, but I, yeah, it's not a feel good movie. It is not a, it's a feel good. bad movie. Yes. It is. Well, let me yeah. jump in. I forgot to ju- say what I thought the theme was. So you guys have touched on it already, but I, I wrote down consequences slash reconciliation of the past. Mm-hmm. And there's some people in this movie that, reconcile the past and move forward like maybe the girl with the that's the the daughter of the game uh, show the host. guy that's abusing the game yeah. show host and she moves on you know and, and is able to get over her addiction potentially with this cop and then there are some characters that um don't really ever they reconcile the past but they're not really able it's not a happy ending such yep. as the father who has cancer yeah. and sees his son but still dies you know, um, so, I mean, there is some very gripping stuff. And and at times I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm on board now. I'm 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 I like the emotion. The emotion. This is definitely hitting in places. I can I can relate to some of this stuff. But yeah, even I think Paul Thomas Anderson, there's a quote where he was like, 
looking back on this movie, what would you have changed? He's like, I would have made it 20 minutes less. <laughs> at least, <laughs> just cut out 20 at minutes. least, at least, <laughs> like it was way, there was way, there was way too much. I mean, <laughs> there's brilliant stuff in here, but the thing is, why do you want to ruin it by fucking overdoing it? I don't understand. It's like, he's just jerking himself off at a certain point. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you already, you're already, you're, you're hitting a home run here with setting the story up and it, having all these characters intertwined. You don't need the frogs. You don't need this other stuff. You don't need any of this. Well, they do the Amy Mann lip sync, which also can take you out of the movie. It's a little strange, strange. but it's artsy. And then the you fucking don't need frogs that come either. Down. It doesn't make the movie that. better. That's not like my favorite part of the right, movie. That right. may be some idiot's part of the movie. Like I, favorite part <laughs> of the listen, movie. I would like, take 20 more minutes of respect the cock from Tom Cruise. You know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, shit. I would like to know a little bit more about why he hated women. Yeah. That that. Um, that's something I, I was really kind of like, oh, they left that on the table. They don't even talk about that at all. And, and he's in the middle of getting an interview. Yes. And that's the perfect time for them to, to get into that. But like, they did it. But I liked that it. it was one night and it all happens over one night and random um, connections. And I, I really think that having that worm guy, the, the opening of the movie, you know, like be just left dangling. I think that that sucks. So I feel like it had the it had the potential to be like a nine, but it, it missed it by a lot, and that's probably why it's like maybe like a six point five or a seven at best. I have one. So that beginning, the start of the movie, there's these odd coincidences yes. that happen. Very odd. I didn't feel like the coincidences were as odd at the end of this movie, other than the fog <laughs> thing. I, I didn't really. I don't know. I just didn't. I couldn't tie it together that all these things were all coincidences that happened. And for me personally, to have all these things happen in the same day and everyone be tied together, yeah. didn't, I don't know, it just didn't seem to ring true for me that everything could tie together and they would all have basically the, a day of reckoning on is this day. Is it fate? Is it destiny? Is it, was it not? Was this supposed to happen? Do you think John C. Riley knew she was a cokehead? I keep having that question in my head. Like, what, can't you figure out? Is he that like oblivious? I mean, he did drop a I gun. Think, I think. I don't know. I think that uh, he probably did know. I like that that character is the only character in there that's just showing her boobs all the time for no reason. <laughs> yes, nobody cares about her. Just uh, she's just yeah. in the shower, boobs getting banged, boobs. <laughs> just just showing her boobs. Just I don't know why. It's it has nothing to do with anything. It's just. Thank they you. just want to show her boobs. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I wasn't mad. There, I mean, they, so there's some fun facts about this movie, like that opening scene where they talk about uh, the 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 hanging coincidence. He actually filmed that using an actual 1911 crank camera, you know. And the frogs are uh, reference to the biblical plague from Exodus eight two, which they show in the movie. But there's a lot of eights and twos in the movie in, on the set of the game show. And apparently Paul Thomas Anderson was an assistant for the television game show Quiz Kid Challenge. I did enjoy the long takes of the, in, in the buildings and the camera swinging around and you're following a different character. Kind of reminded me of a, like a Robert Altman movie or Quentin Tarantino. I think, again, you got to credit Tarantino for breaking up the narrative storytelling in different pieces. This is clearly inspired by that and a lot of other guys do this maybe a little tighter and more focused you know it's a better execution but uh you know we've seen this in other and i love movies that do this 
which is kind of yeah. Well, he brought it back. It might have been done before uh, Quentin Tarantino, yeah. but he's the one who brought it to like in that decade, anyways, an epic level yeah. where everybody now knew about it. You know, so it's like he it wasn't something that was done very often. Yeah, this movie is uh, has got some great cinematography, no doubt. Yeah. It's got some some great camera work and great direction, great acting. Like you, you, Tom you see Tom so Cruise break down, oh, so good, and I think he. He did that like uh, off script. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, yeah, so there is there is stuff that's cool. Um, May, I mean, Macy's great and Felicity Huffman. And it's kind of ironic that the both of them have, had been in the news recently for uh, well, and not, a scandal. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, of course, they're married, aren't they? Yeah, they are husband and wife. But I, the cast is basically like a Coen Brothers cast. Yeah. You know, a lot of these people have been in Fargo. A lot of people have been in other other movies. So it feels like they took like Coen Brothers and then a little little Tarantino, Scorsese, and Robert Altman and kind of threw it all together. And uh, this is what we got. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson's a good director, so um, he kind of just let this one get away from him a little bit. It was just a little bit unruly, but I do think it's still powerful. Like even though it's fucked up and yeah. like a little too long and like has a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be in there. Yeah. Uh, I think that what works works well. I mean, it's clearly personal and you see the emotional stuff from him, but it can be looked at as a little overindulgent. There's some, yes. There's some great poetic dialogue. Yeah. There is some like really good writing in there. So I, I don't want to just shit on it without at least pointing out the good stuff in there. And there is a lot of good stuff. Absolutely. So, I think, uh, I mentioned earlier, but Tom Cruise's character, I wish he was more in it because yeah. <laughs> he was just so good he was very and good. his transformation, although we don't know why he hates, he hates women, but his transformation from this chauvinistic guy to at the end, just the, the scene where he's just shaking with anger as he's crying next to his dad is very powerful. There just wasn't, for me, there wasn't enough enthralling storylines I mean, between the, all the diverse storylines to make me all that interested, and I think a lot of that's because the movie's just too damn long. There were too many men that are bad, and not enough women that were bad. Oh, you need more bad women. That well, it's just like all about bad fathers, yeah, well, like yeah. shitty fathers. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, uh, let's spread it around a little bit. They all cheat. Um, they're all bad fathers. The only bad woman really is Julianne Moore. Oh yeah, because she married. You, she admits she marries into. But then she's wealth. like, I love him. I was, you know, she admits it, and she's like, now I actually love him, and. She wants out of the will. Right. Yeah, she didn't want to take the money, so she was trying. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman also. It's a, he was great. He was as, great. It's a small role, but he's so good. He's usually the bad guy in every movie. Yeah. And he's like this nice guy yeah. in this movie. And uh, like a very tender, like concerned nurse in this. So he's playing against type. Um, you know, Tom Cruise is kind of like the asshole in the movie. He's playing against type. Um, is he? So. Well, yes, <laughs> you know, you're right. Uh, it's no There Will Be Blood by PTA. No. But, I think There Will Be Blood better. But it's a solid movie. I also, I appreciate, like, the title, Magnolia. It's a perennial flower. You know, life is kind of like a flower. It's beautiful. It's complex. It's fragile. Uh, also, the magnolia, apparently the bark, you can use it to treat anxiety and cancer. <laughs> So I thought that was interesting. You're pulling really, really Whoa, deep. Over there. Also, Magnolia Boulevard is a street that runs through Burbank, California. 
uh, you know, near where the movie takes place. I don't know. So there's a lot that of- might have more to do with it than the fucking tree bar. But there's a magnolia flower in the in the, in the poster. For, for yep. what it's worth, I now I look. I'm a no, I'm cinephile. Anthony. You are Mr. Oscars. Yes, I look on Letterboxd, yeah. and this is a movie that has just overwhelming love on there from all the cinephiles on there. But it's a divisive PTA movie for well, sure. Well, like some people will say that that stuff is brilliant, but I see through it and think no, it's it's unnecessary. Like it doesn't. Like what does the frogs add to the movie? It doesn't. What does the music video in the middle <laughs> add to the movie? He loves Amy. What Man. is even the what does even the fucking uh, the old timey mo- stuff in the beginning add to the movie? Yeah. It doesn't need any of that. Yeah. Right? yeah, that's just that's just like bells and whistles. I mean, you can put it in there. It's you know, it's an artistic thing, but when you're clocking in at three hours, yeah. you know, you, it sh- everything should need to be there. You could have trimmed. Uh, you trim all that out, and uh, you got a nice tighter. I, I guess the frogs thing. were like the coincidence that ties everything together and makes yeah. all these people reconcile their past but I, I was like what the fuck and the frogs uh, i guess the kid is this only smart one because he like is happy to see the frogs he goes oh this happened yeah yeah but yeah I, I i agree i just i just found the movie to be kind of as you guys put it uh sniffing your own fart from <laughs> <laughs> little bit You're just like uh I, I, I'm going to make a really long movie about despair so and i'm going to throw in all these weird things because you know what i'm I'm telling a really cool story here, a really sad story. Apparently what happened is after Boogie Nights, the studio was so happy. They were like, you can do whatever you want for this next one. And uh, he pulls this. He does yeah, this. It didn't do very well at the box oh, office. Oh, no, it didn't. And again, it's not a really re- – you can watch this movie once every 10 years maybe. But this is – I mean, fine. even like – more especially now, but even back then. I mean, who is going into a movie – and thinking, I want to watch three hours of despair. <laughs> it's, it's, a, I, it's not. I mean, it's a movie yeah, I, I don't mind having downer. under my belt. But there's yeah. there's no way you can market this and and to the masses. Let me jump in here because let me explain uh, the '90s. <laughs> Please okay. do. Because, okay, the '90s were an answer to the '80s, which the '80s was was all about fun, good times, all yes. about sn- okay. coke and just going crazy, whatever. And, uh, you know, trying to present yourself as as the best of the best and this and that, you know, yeah, Top Gun, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, the 90s are all about catharsis and self and self-destruction and all about looking at your work. Like the hero of the 90s is Kurt Cobain. Mm. And no one hated himself more than Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. He fucking blew a hole in his face. Mm-hmm. All right. So catharsis, which is the art of like kind of self-flagellation. Uh, like going through pain in order to kind of feel something and kind of transform from that pain. That's grunge music, all of that stuff. And that's where all of these movies kind of have that Mm. darkness. And I think this is kind of along the same lines. It's really a nineties movie. It kind of end caps that whole era, I guess of years and years of people going through catharsis and despair and, Kind of, this was just like cherry on top at the end of the nineties. Let's fucking do this opera of fucking suffering, <laughs> and uh, that's what it is. That's definitely what it is, and uh, and that's why I don't go to the opera. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the opera sucks. Rugs, though, that is an amazing observation because it just brought back to mind. You know, me, I was growing up in the eighties, but in the nineties, and I always wanted to be an artist. Being in art school in the nineties, back then, my young fucking eighteen year old self didn't know shit. 
I had a strong belief that great art can only come from pain. And that's not entirely true, but it does work the other way. Pain can lead to great art. You don't have to be in pain. I know that now, but I was well, fucking have, like, Look, look at where we are right now. Yeah. Rappers, all they talk about is how they, how great they yeah, are, yeah. as they should, and how and how like <laughs> their, their shit don't stink, Bling. and they they yeah. get the most girls yeah. and blah blah. They blah. didn't used to though. And in the nineties, they just talked about Kurt Cobain talked about how much of a fake he was, and everybody's fucking. And even the hip hop of shit was about reality and growing up in in in, in impoverished neighborhoods. So and we're shit. probably due for another catharsis. Oh yeah, check. Oh yeah, it's going to come. Twenty years. Um, Twenty years. So that the nineties is a good place to look because we have like this decade of decadence, which is the the early two thousands yeah. and it, into the two thousand twenties. And so it's coming around. Like, I think we're going to get back into this shit uh, hardcore. And maybe I want to say maybe another five or six years. I, I mean, I can see that history is cyclical. Just you got to open do the have books. thoughts on like after we review all these these movies, at least these eight so far, what yeah. common theme I had okay. picked up. But well, well, I'll wait till the end. Look, Frank Mackey wanted you to respect the cock. I want you to respect your balls, listener. There my balls is hot. Shave the balls. It is hot as fuck out here in Chicago. Like all week, it's supposed to be a hundred. And let me tell you, if I didn't have the amazing products from Manscaped, which is a awesome sponsor of our show, we thank them very much. If I didn't have their lawnmower trimmer, oh man, my fucking junk would be sweaty. It would look like a rainforest in this heat. Smell like a skunk. It would smell like absolutely. What's that smell? It looks like a skunk. Man, your balls smell. Has anybody ever said that to you? Man, your Black balls and white smell. stripes. Is that uh, a skunk's tail or you're nuts? <laughs> a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Listener, visit manscaped.com. Use our promo code Jock and Nerd, and you will get 20% off and free shipping all their amazing grooming products. Anthony, give them one good reason to use our code at Manscaped. Besides Pepe Le Pubes? Pepe Le Pubes! <laughs> That's me! One good reason? It. Yeah. You won't get coronavirus. Is that true? Probably not. Sure. But uh, that's all I could think is of. That what Fauci said? Has Dr. <laughs> Fauci said that? Uh, no, listen. They got- CDC. <laughs> listen, you want to look your best. You want that shit trimmed up. Uh, the Manscaped is an amazing company, and uh, they've partnered with us, and we can't thank them enough. So make us look good. Get on the ball. Get on your balls, listener. And it makes a great gift. Or your man, your lady, from your man, from your lady. Always, it's a fucking great gift. Jock and Nerd at manscaped.com will get you 20% off and a free shipping. Your balls will thank you. Jock and Nerd. We're going to take a break here, uh, play some promos, and we'll be back with two more incredible movies from 1999 right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi guys, we're Mary and Vanessa, the host of True Crime Dropouts. Join two best friends and former criminal justice majors as they pretend to know all things true crime. So sit down, grab a broom, drive, we really don't care, and give us a listen. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere really. And don't forget, stay in school, or you'll end up like us, degree-less without that fabulous FBI job. You have to watch it. It's so good. It was all right. Your friends may have decent taste in movies, but their incoherent reviews are getting annoying. I don't 
know. I just didn't like it. Looking for a new podcast? Join Time Sensitive, where we break down the recent movies you've heard of, but may have missed. Spoilers included. And we get it. You're busy and can't see everything, but are you really going to track it down a year later? We take the time so you don't have to. Find us on Twitter, at TSMoviePod, and find out what we're watching. I'm Sam. I'm Ian. And I'm Kate, and we're three friends and armchair movie critics. Seriously, invite us into your living room. Kate, stop. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Time Sensitive, because you deserve better. Listener, thank you for listening. First of all, I know there's lots of podcasts out there and you choose to listen to this one for some reason, but we appreciate it. So I want to thank all our listeners. And if you enjoy the show, I want to recommend you join our fan club. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon where you can support the show with a monthly pledge and you get stuff based on the tier you pick and everybody gets bonus content and exclusive RSS feed where the shows come out early and there's bonus content you can only get there. Like, did you know we have a sports show? What? Yeah, it's called Jock Talk, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jock Talk, me and uh, one of our listeners, Chaz Hubbard, who does all the work similar to this show. Grim <laughs> Run does all the work. And I just show up. We talk sports whenever Chaz feels like there are things to talk about. So a lot of it's UFC and NFL focused, but we we could jab, we dabble in in baseball, basketball, things along those lines. Their bottom so. is is very weak. They talk about stuff that's like Chaz. that. Yeah, that's, that's his Chaz. Yeah, that's Chaz right there. So He's si- a jock. Sign up to get that. I, uh, I want to thank all our patrons our Patreon peeps for their continued support. And another thank you has to go to Mr. Pat Downey, who signed up last week for $10 a month, gets to pick a movie, and then uh, promptly increased his pledge to the $30 a month level. Oh, shit. Jock and Nerd. Uh, that's the top tier, the whole shebang. He is now top tier Jock and Nerd listener. Thank you so wow. much. Pat Downey, we appreciate your support and everyone's Glad you support. like the show. Yeah. We, you know, like we keep, uh, we keep people busy at their jobs and in their lives and in their routines. Yeah, we do this for you. Do it for you, not for us. And we're glad you're digging it. Join the fan club, jockandair.com slash Patreon. Okay, back to 1999. We are going to move on to the animated classic, The Iron Giant. Or is it pronounced The Iron Giant? How do you say that? The Imran Giant. The Imran Giant. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. That, that would be a great film. Win. Somebody get the animatics for that started. We'll put it into production. We'll use Patreon money. Uh, the Imran Giant, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 96%. Whoa. On this one, 8.21 out of 10 average rating. This movie was made for $70 million and ends up with a worldwide box office of 23 million dollars what here's what happened nobody went to see this terrible marketing from whatever yes here's what happened warner brothers fucked up big time they had just gotten burned by their last animated feature which was quest for camelot and they fucked the marketing on this movie they neglected to make any kind of strategy any kind of plan you know they could have lined up cereals Fast food tie-ins. There was a Burger King deal. They didn't go through with it. They only made one fucking teaser poster. There's only one poster. And they, they, what they did that year was they spent all their marketing money on the wild, wild west. That's a big fuck up right there. We all know how that went. 
Terrible. With the Will Smith. But the movie ended Great up. Great song, though, with Cisco. Yes. Uh, that's Will Smith and Cisco in that one? Is it Cisco? Or it might it's- be Casey and JoJo. I don't remember now. Never mind. Were there thongs? Oh, the no, thong. no, that was that's a different song. <laughs> thong, thong, thong. It's getting hot. Will in Smith here? wouldn't be in a thong song. It's Nelly. No, no. I'm confused. No, no. Uh, so the movie ends up g- gaining an um, amazing cult following. When it was time to put it out on DVD, they, DVD, they had a huge marketing push, spent a lot of money, uh, and then in 2000, the rights were sold to Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network in the 2000s would play the movie at a 24-hour marathon during Fourth of July and Thanksgiving. Uh, growing awareness and making this a classic movie for many, many people. This movie directed by Brad Bird, his directorial debut. He goes on to have a two-time Oscar-winning career with Pixar. Uh, screenplay also by Brad Bird and Tim McCandless. This is based on a 1968 British novel called The Iron Man by Ted Hughes. So it uh, he changed a lot. Uh, because in the novel, it's, it takes place in Britain in 1968. He moves this to America to the 50s. So largely it becomes original. It's just loosely based on this novel featuring the voice talents of Jennifer Aniston, Harry Connick Jr., Vin Diesel <laughs> pulling a Groot way before Groot is amazing as the voice of the right. Iron Giant. Uh, you have Cloris Leachman, Christopher McDonald, John Mahoney. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh, Eli Marenthal, bunch of other great voice actors. So, Anthony, this movie actually, I this is the first time I've watched it all the way through. Wow. I'd never actually. I, Me too. Well, yeah, I mentioned that. I knew about it though, and I knew the design. I love the way it looked. Uh, what happens in the Iron Giant, Anthony? This is a movie set in the Cold War era in the fifties. A giant iron piece of metal that's a weapon crash lands into Maine and a young boy who's looking for a pet and has lives with a single mom comes across this giant and he befriends it and teaches it things and while he's doing that there's a government agent because this is the 50s everyone's very has their antennas up about any sort of threats to America especially Russians and uh he happens to come across this giant as well, and it's a battle of ideals of this one kid trying to protect the giant and this government agent trying to destroy this thing because he's very xenophobic. Uh, I can't imagine anyone hating this movie. And also, it's weirdly timely uh, with those themes, uh, with what's happening uh, now. Anthony, what did you think of the Iron Giant? Yeah, Iron Giant. Let me write. Let me talk about. Let me just get into the uh, theme real quick because I write these down now for all these ninety nine. I movies. can't believe I got you taking notes and shit. It's amazing. It's one I write down like two words. Bro, do you um, even podcast? Yes, he does. <laughs> this one, for sure. There was two things I wrote down. Number one, existentialism. Yep, yep. And then, and I saw this quote from Brad, I think it was Brad Bird. It's something along the lines of, what if the gun had a conscience? Yeah, what if a gun had a soul and didn't want to be a gun? Right, there you go. So that's the quote. And yeah, I mean, I found this movie. So frankly, I I left this movie for last because I knew I would like it. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Rugboy had mentioned, oh, you might cry. And I had some friends say, "That's that's a very powerful movie. So I left it for last. I definitely liked it. I think I built it up too much in my head. Oh, no. 
No, not that it's bad. Because okay. upon reflection, I'm like, it's still very good. Yeah. But I built it so highly that I actually didn't cry by the end of it. Yeah. I, I almost kind of knew what was going to happen. So it, it kind of ruined that emotion yeah. for me. But it's still a very, very well done, beautiful movie that is animated well and has a lot of very deep themes. Um, it's similar. It's kind of like an E.T., except the kid is training the the, the alien in this one. Yeah. So the alien's teaching the kid. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's very powerful stuff. The the quote where he's the the Iron Giant is about to shoot the kid and he's telling him, you know, you don't have to be a gun. You can choose. Yeah. All very powerful stuff. Yeah. So overall, it's a very pleasing movie and it's very mature for an, an animated film, especially from, I think, that time. I mean, it's, so it's your... I, I found it to be a very beautiful movie if not a little overhyped in my own head, but upon <laughs> reflection, still very good. It's your, you know, a boy and his dog tale that's been told over and over again. And so even when this came out, I was already, what, like 23? I wish I had seen this as a kid. It would have fucking knocked me on my ass, but clearly it's an instant classic. It's it's gorgeous, like a Norman Rockwell painting. Uh, Rugs, what are your thoughts on The Iron Giant? Well, I actually was one of the only assholes to ever go see this in the theater. Oh, shit. Yeah, there were one of like seven people probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there. I was there. <laughs> and uh, I sat down. I'm like, all right, this is E.T. I'm going to yeah. watch fucking E.T. again. Yeah. I know I'm getting E.T. again. I just knew because like, you know, you could the writing's on the wall. All right. Iron Giant kid. You know, it's E.T. I mean, it really is. But like, as Anthony said, it's flipped a little bit. You know, it's uh, the boy teaching the Iron Giant stuff about life. And, um, but I fucking love this more than E.T. I do. Wow. And oh, even though, the, even though E.T. has got some great scenes in it, I think overall, like, this is so much more interesting to me in a lot of ways because of it ties into Superman. Yes. It's a, all right. Strong got Superman a comic parallel. Book tie. Yep. It ties into, um, you know, beatniks. And like counterculturism and like whatever it ties into like fucking all of these touchstones, like it's all part of my life, like Norman Rockwell, like all of these things like are really like directed to me. And like uh it just everything, everything about it was just so well done. The animation, just the way it's animated Gorgeous. is they, 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 they put the Iron Giant, which 3D into a 2D world and it works. It's instantly spellbinding. I think that kids will love this movie. I think that parents can watch it with their kids and not feel insulted by their intelligence. It's like, you know, you can watch a lot of movies with, you know, kiddie movies, uh, you know, as an adult and and be like, oh, this is not for me. This is for fucking little kids. I'm not watching this bullshit. I will fucking watch this any day of the week. Absolutely. Uh, Because it's not insulting. It's not, it doesn't like uh, hold your hand with anything. Then it introduces things. It is a, a deer death and the, the giant's reaction to it is it, 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 the giant's reaction when Dean is yelling at him yeah. because he shot at him. Yeah. Like it, it, the whole, the fact that he feels like he doesn't know what the fuck just happened. And he runs away and he's wicking it. It's powerful. Yeah. Like that's great acting for animation, you know? So, um, this movie is just done in perfectly. It is. I was going to say, it's almost a perfect fucking movie in terms of pacing and content and story I mean, and narrative. They, they could have gotten into somehow introduced, I don't know if it would have ruined the movie, where the Iron Giant came from 
and all that stuff. They leave all that into a mystery. It doesn't matter though. It doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. But um, I wish I would have known a little bit more about it. But like you know, but at least I want to know more. It's not like I don't give a shit, you know. So I I do love this movie. I think it's really solid. I don't know if it's per a perfect perfect movie, but it's it's pretty very, fucking very close. close. It's top notch animation. I love. Like, what would you change about this film, Anthony? This um, one, if you could, yeah. yeah. Would you want the impact to be better at question. the end, or um, um, you want him to actually die? No, you know what I would have liked. I think it would have worked better if maybe, yeah, maybe if he actually died, or maybe if we didn't get the hints that he could rearrange himself. So the re the rearranging hints throughout the movie, although funny, yeah. At the end, you he he dies, but I was in the back of my head. I go, but he can rearrange. Himself. See, I didn't see that coming, and I was pleasantly surprised when that the, the little screw take when he sets it free and it takes off, and I was like, "Oh shit, he's not dead! It's gonna rearrange!" And then he follows it all the way up to Antarctica or wherever it is. Yeah, and the head. I mean, it's, it's still very well done, and and the the this when he says Superman and is going oh, up against so the the. the it's just very well written. I mean, how, how, like, what an amazing parallel to Superman. The story of an incredible, powerful alien creature deciding what he is. Is he a weapon? What choices is he going to make? Is he going to choose to do the right thing? I don't want them to make a sequel. I, I would hate it if they did. I love the way it just ends with that little bit. Uh, tease at the end but i love love the 50s illustration aesthetic these are beautifully designed characters this is the first time that a 2d animated hand-drawn feature included a computer generated character so it has a little bit of film history uh and you can clearly see the influences that brad bird brings he worked for disney he worked on the simpsons i i see influences from don bluth animation chuck jones disney films from the 50s like it reminded me of 101 dalmatians the way the people were drawn uh and then like the themes of existentialism the nature of humanity choice having a soul and the cold war fear the xenophobia right so the, yeah, the, good. the fear that's still i mean still even here. today you still see it yeah the fear of the fear of the unknown the fear of the different you know if it was set now and this thing came down you the fucking military of course is going to want to blow it up and everyone would want it to kill it but they kill they, it. they talk about sputnik yeah. they talk yeah. about the, the russians yeah. they talk about uh, they're watching us right now yeah. you know yeah. it's got a lot of that's for a kid's movie it's so layered it's so layered yeah uh i hate it oh, yeah, i mean the, i mean the the nuclear bunkers and the, and the the commercial in the beginning of hiding underneath your desk it is very so it definitely as, as rugs boy mentioned it it doesn't insult the audience it just goes this is the story and yeah whoever's watching it will just have to be along i think a ride. kid can enjoy this and i think an adult can enjoy this oh deeply. yeah and yeah that's when and you can't say that about a lot of films well, that's when these animated family movies are best is when they can be enjoyed by both uh, both generations. That duck and cover nuclear war film, you clearly see his Simpsons influence in that little film strip. Like, you could just imagine Troy McClure hosting that thing. Uh, so I love seeing stuff like that. Uh, I did not know, uh, that director, you know, Joe Johnston, who did the first Captain America movie? Wasn't that Joe Johnston? Yeah. He did the original sketches and the designs for the Iron Giant. Oh, shit. He was a uh, concept artist. Also, in our Facebook group, if you join, Michael Tchaikovsky of TheVampireRobots.com has got a pre-order for an amazing Iron Giant piece. It's only like 40 bucks. I might, I might it get looked, it. He posted that, and I was like, oh, shit, we're going to talk about this movie. I had an Iron Giant. It's great. Let me ask you guys this. Do Would you consider this a superhero movie? 
Not really, no. but I think it has superhero themes in it. Yes. Uh, so I a um, big letter box guy. Yeah. Someone wrote on there. I don't necessarily agree. Because they go, this is the best Superman movie ever. See, so, yeah, some people were. I, I wouldn't that. go full on superhero yeah. movie. It's more like you described a kid and his and his pet or his friend or his dog. Or yeah. His dog. yeah, right. Like it's the kid with the thing that no one understands, but he's gonna. He's a kid, so he can relate to it, and he's not. He's not going to judge this thing like adults would. He's just going to look at it for what it is. Right and help it out. It's like an ET smash with he a superhero. Was very, he was very like thoughtful though. Yeah, he like said, "Oh, if I show you to people, they're going to try and shoot you." Yeah. He like knew, he knew. already yeah. what because he right. read those comic books. He knows. Yeah. Well, and this movie, I don't know if you guys have seen. I think I mentioned it last week. Bumblebee. Yeah. The the framework of Bumblebee. That movie is a lot of yeah. this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So if that's why. And Bumblebee is a movie I really. I liked Bumblebee. Well. It was very charming. Uh, and, and perfectly done. Uh, also, an amazing like anti-gun message. Did you guys feel that at all? Like, there's nothing good that comes from guns, and seeking the safety of guns is kind of a fantasy and unrealistic. It's kind of what the movie was saying to me. Yeah, I mean, except for the kid, he has a gun. Well, he had a yeah, it was a ray gun. Well, he had a yeah, he had a rifle. He did have pebble. Pe- he pebble had a BB gun, pebble, gun pebble, in the beginning. Gun. Hogarth yeah. Hughes, and I hated Kent Mansley so much. Hogarth, which is, uh, you know, Hogarth's uh, anatomy, by the way. Oh, he. That's where, that, he, that's where the name comes He from. wrote the anatomy book, right? The, every, everybody studies no, it. Not Hogarth Hughes. <laughs> Hogarth is the last name of the guy who wrote, made the anatomy book. Okay. So Hogarth's anatomy is very, very well known if you're an artist. Yes. He pretty much, uh, you know, illustrated the whole figure in these crazy, like, Art Deco drawings. You think that's why they named him Hogarth? Yes. Rockwell Hogarth, oh, those are the yeah. two fucking the fifties, like you know. That's true. Pillars the town was of, also called Rockwell. Yeah, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I love that they they went to. Come on, dude, catch up. <laughs> Come on, run. God damn, where was Anthony, <laughs> Mister Fucking Oscars, on that one? <laughs> Vin Diesel is great as the voice, and it's just funny that he's doing the same thing now. Still, he's just good at those, I guess. Making it, I, you know, when I posted this movie, yeah. a lot of people would respond to me and they go, "I can't believe Vin Diesel was in that yeah. movie." Yeah. You know what? Another thing that happens in this movie that's great is that he does get a new family. Like that Dean yeah, and his Dean mom played right. off. Yeah, and um, like you know that Dean's in the diner to try and hit on his mom. <laughs> like after he sees her, he's like, "Whoa, okay." You know, he obviously is a good dad for him. You know, because he gave him coffee and let him <laughs> run his mouth. That's great. You that's know, a great scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the scene where he's trying to push the hand out the window and he's in the bathroom. Yeah. And they think he's taking a massive yeah, shit. It's, it's like all this loud noise. Um, <laughs> I love, yeah. And then when yeah. he's doing Grace, is funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. I mean, the devil. <laughs> the devil. Oh, I mean. Great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all like, that's like something you'd see in a Spielberg movie, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very Spielberg. And it's so perfectly paced. I even liked that, you know, Dean is the father figure, but I believe I remember seeing that his dad was in like the Air Force. Right. And that's how he, I don't think it's like an abusive, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it was an abusive dad who left him right. situation. Uh, I, I, I never picked that up about his dad. Yeah. The Air Force's front, wouldn't he said that? I believe it's in the beginning. I'm not 100% sure. I, I think I, I remember seeing that very briefly, but it wasn't a huge plot line in the movie. Dean was great representing like the counterculture and the beatniks and uh, Harry Connick Jr. did a good job. Uh, you can also tie themes back to American Beauty 
in that it is a suburban satire, just kind of like American Beauty is, where this time you're dealing with the 50s and the white picket fence, but behind all the perfect allure of the families, there's always shit going on at home. Right. Well, there's this underlying xenophobia that it's not even all that underlying. A lot of people just have it, but you don't, you know, you don't talk about it. Um, all that much, and it only comes out in in very inopportune times. But like the kids are obsessed with it, you know, in this culture, and they're talking always about Sputnik and spies and shit, and everyone's very careful. So I don't know. There's so many themes, so so layered. Just a fucking all around great feel good movie, and this is one you could watch repeatedly over and over again, and just makes you feel good. Yeah, Let's, it's a very. It's, it knows its place. It's only yeah. an hour, less than an hour yes, and a half. Yes, I appreciate Magnolia. the <laughs> appreciate the runtime. Thank you. In this movie and the next movie, after sitting through three hours, this movie could have been ten minutes of, longer, yes. but it wasn't. <laughs> three hours it definitely could have. It could have been a one forty-five, close to two hours, and I still probably would have enjoyed it. Yeah, we're in. The, we're definitely yeah. in the seat for this one. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah and as you know, animated movies go uh, perfectly paced. All right, very it's, good. It's too. It's too bad it wasn't marketed correctly, but I think it's gained. Even I know about the yeah. the popularity yeah. that's come in the years after it, and it was even in uh, Ready Player One, right? Yes, he gets to uh, fuck some shit up in Ready Player although, One. Although <laughs> I I I read something where it was like people didn't like that because he yeah they were like well, why is he a gun? Yeah. Have you even watched Iron Giant? Yes, but he had weapons which were really cool, and I wanted I know, him but to he, use them. It was more. supposed to be like he's the antithesis right. of wanting to be a gun. Yeah, it's no, true. but you're just but, in you know, the whatever you're you're, you're, you're playing him as things. a character. Did you see? I just saw posted uh, the dude's writing Ready Player Two. Uh, really? Yeah, oh, uh, is book. he? Yeah, the book. The guy who wrote the book. A more eighties. I don't know what happens now. That that fucking kid has the egg and he owns That's the nineties now. Yeah, maybe move it. No, <laughs> but then you had Iron Giant, who was He's from a, the 90s, uh, so you already fucked up. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. No, uh, I think they added that. That's right. Remember, originally, the Iron Giant took the place of a Gundam because they couldn't get oh, the that's rights. Right, right, right. So right. They added a okay. So they break the theme a little bit. That's a good point, though. I never noticed that. Uh, good stuff, man. Great fucking movie. Let's move on to our final movie, an all-time classic comedy called Office Space. On Rotten Tomatoes, this one is 80%. Six point. Eight four out of ten average rating is very low. I don't like that. Uh, this movie was made for ten million dollars and ends up making about ten million dollars, ten point eight million dollars. Again, Rugs, you mentioned this earlier. A lot of these movies were cult hits on DVD. Yeah, you might have missed these yes. if on first viewing. But man. Comedy Central would play this movie all the time, uh, added to its huge DVD sales and. Uh, this is, I mean, it's Office Space. Who doesn't fucking know this movie? Written and directed by Mike Judge based on his Milton cartoon shorts that you would have seen back in the 90s on Liquid Television and Saturday Night Live. Uh, and this was his first foray into live action filmmaking. His second full length motion picture, they had, he had made uh, Beavis and Butthead do America, which is also coming back. Oh, shit. You see that shit? They're bringing back Beavis and Butthead. Wow. Yeah, well, everything comes but, back. But like, that's so nineties. How is that gonna work now? It's not. It's not gonna work. It's not no, gonna be good. They can't do what they used to. I do. I mean, Mike Judge, obviously best known for Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill, and then you know he does Office Silicon Valley S- is great. Dude. He directed a lot of episodes of Silicon Valley. Makes a- well, that's his idea. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, he was he was a software engineer, which is where he pulls a lot of this inspiration, but also 
fucking idiocracy, which I thought was amazing. But then he makes a, a movie, movie like yeah. Extract with Jason Bateman that I didn't really like or get. No, I didn't get that one at all. But his Silicon Valley uh, uh, episodes are fucking fantastic. Anthony, yeah, you're fucking telling me you've never seen Office Space. No. What? Lame. What? Get the fuck out of here. I am goddamn shocked because this is probably one of the most quoted movies of all time. Okay, what happens in Office Space, you first time fuck? <laughs> office Space is about a guy who's in an office that works <laughs> a, 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 for some sort of tech company and he's not even, he's just a, a, a guy and he's just miserable every day with his job and he and his his relationship with his wife is is pretty much non-existent because of his job well, it's his girlfriend i think yeah girlfriend. Girlfriend. okay there your girlfriend and um he just one day has an epiphany that he's just he's just not going to live like this anymore and uh the movie follows him and a couple of his buddies and in, in the way they try to change their life within this Office space. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Starring Ron Livingston as Peter, Jennifer Aniston, David Herman as much. Jennifer Aniston, I had no idea she was. Yeah, she's. This is prime friends. Jennifer Aniston, yeah, right here. So Jennifer David Aniston. Herman as Michael Bolton. No, not that one. AJ Naidu as Samir. I love that they got a fucking Muslim uh, character, brown character. It's fucking fantastic. The hilarious Diedrich Bader as Lawrence. Stephen Root, also great guy at playing Milton. Gary Cole as Lumberg. Uh, and then you got John C. McGinley and Paul Wilson as the Bobs. John C. McGinley, another great comedic character. Actor Anthony. Wow. This is, I can't, what, how does this movie hit? now in 2020 it has a lot of similar themes on some other movies that we've talked about it does what did you think even though this movie is not at all or is 100 100 trying to be an absurd comedy like like, um but it has a lot of themes that relate to a lot of the movies we've discussed so still kind of fits even though it's nothing like any of the other movies we talked about as far as a theme this movie's kind of mostly about for me how work kind of relates to a lot of people, even probably today, mm-hmm. but especially from that era's mm-hmm. happiness levels and how it can just affect everything else in your life. As far as what I thought of this movie, as someone that's worked in an office, and I mean, right from the start, that goddamn commute where he oh gets in one lane yes. when he yes. thinks the lane is going quick and then has to stop immediately when he switches lanes and then oh, does it again. Geez. That's happened to everybody. That's happened. To, I mean, this movie is just so it's relatable to relatable. me on so many levels yeah. and so absurdly funny that, I, I mean, I, I truly did enjoy it. I, the, the end for me was a little, eh, I didn't, I, I liked it a lot more in the beginning and middle. Yeah. Uh, the ending I didn't like as much, but Endings are overall, hard. I mean, the the line when when he the guy's like the the consultants so what would you say you do here, you do here? I say and that. he just goes off <laughs> and he's just like what the hell is wrong with you people <laughs> I I've watched that scene maybe twenty times already there's just so many fucking funny things in this movie I I I, I really like it it was fucking funny I quote funny. this movie all the time at work this movie I've seen many times I watched it again it's still fucking hilarious. This is a classic comedy. 
all every time I go to a printer, I'm like, PC load letter? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I'm always like, paper jam. Why does it say paper jam when there's no fucking paper jam? But similar to Fight Club and The Matrix, you got themes yeah, of American Beauty, American Beauty and- angry, ordinary men throwing off the shackles of society, finding something extraordinary. In themselves. Even being John Valkovich. And being John. Dude, think about Neo. Peter unplugs from the Matrix. He's a lot like Neo. Well, what happens like in the 90s, and it it started in the 80s and then kind of kind of got perfected was corporate fucking life, like office life, where like you got the cubicles and the fucking HR and all the bullshit. And you got the fucking 20 people in management doing nothing and you're doing all the work and they're just walking around with a cup of coffee, like asking you when you're going to be okay. done with all the work that yeah. and they have the Porsche. Like it's just, it just speaks to like the banality and the fucking stupidity of corporate life. Then you got uh, Jennifer Aniston. She's not wearing enough fucking flair uh, to show that she's actually into her job. Uh, apparently, TGI Fridays, four years after this movie came out, got rid of their dumb striped shirts and flair because of the movie. So you can thank Mike Judge for that. So like the main star of this movie, uh, Ron Livingston, he goes and gets hypnotized. And the guy who's hypnotizing him like drops dead in the middle of his hypnotism. Before pulling him out, it's so good. And so he <laughs> remains in this hypnotic state where he doesn't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. And I, when I saw that, I was like, I want yes. to be hypnotized, yes. not give a fuck like this guy. And uh, that would probably be a bad idea because I would have gotten fired immediately. Like nothing happens. It, I mean, even though like the irony of it is like he goes and tells his bosses that he doesn't do shit during the day. And then the they day, promote him. And they promote that him. That happens all the time. People are incompetent I, and they get, they fall upwards. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, this also like Fight Club. This was a life changing movie for a lot of people. You walk out of this and you're like, fuck my job. I'm going to go fishing. What the fuck? I'm like, what am I doing in this <laughs> oppressive office? Like even the prophetic uh, office landscape, the cubicle cells, they're like little prison cells. Uh, you saw that all across the country later in the 2000s. And now they've kind of turned into like these we work open like a Google fucking uh, campus bullshit, but it's still kind of the same bullshit. I I really enjoyed the, the point the rug boy was making, where so he just doesn't give a fuck when he talks to the consultants, and because he's just so candid, and they're just not used to people not kissing their yes. ass. They're like, he needs to be challenged. Yeah. He needs a job. He needs to be promoted, and we're gonna let go of three people <laughs> so that you get more money. The bobs, what do you think about that? The bobs are hilarious. They're like, uh, it looks like you've been missing a lot of work, Peter. And he's like, I wouldn't say I've been missing it. Some fucking great lines. And they get up and they're like, oh, the pleasure's all on this side of the table. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful guy. I mean, even just the beginning, like the TPS reports yes, and the then memo. him getting the memo and then he's get like, there's three different people and he gets the phone call at the end that ends the scene. And he's like, yes, I got the memo. <laughs> I'll get you another one. He has eight, eight, eight different, different bosses. bosses. Like, who can't? Like, that's, and they don't do shit. Yes, this is, they don't no. do <laughs> jack This shit. is how the corporate office space is still in a lot of places. It, it can be like that, especially if you're in middle management. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, there are times when you're in the office and, and as a middle manager, you just need to stay busy telling people what to so, do. But what's the message? Uh, if you hate your job, you should embezzle money. Is that probably is that what they're telling? Well, no, because, because even, <laughs> even then, they make fun of the fact that this idea was already an idea that got people in jail. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so right. They, 
and yeah. it doesn't work. No, they fuck it up. <laughs> and and it ends up getting in the hands of the guy. There's this complete that guy. What's his name? Milton, Milton is the best. So fucking funny. Oh my god! And uh, I, well, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna uh, burn but, the place down if they take my stapler. You told me my stapler, and I move I move my desk. That's, and that's not in my job. I haven't gotten though. my paycheck, and uh, I was just, they told me to talk to you. <laughs> even, even that though, like the way they let him <laughs> yeah. go, they're just like, so we're not gonna avoid confrontation. Yeah. It's like, well, let me be clear. We fixed the glitch. It'll work itself out. <laughs> It'll work itself <laughs> out. So it's terrible. So bad. But it, just imagine this movie all came out of these Milton shorts about that nubbish man and his red stapler. Uh, Swingline had to actually make red staplers after the movie came out. People wanted to buy them and they didn't actually make a red stapler. Oh, Jesus. Right. Uh, I I love the hip hop music. Ice Cube, you got Scarface, you got the Ghetto Boys. And who doesn't want to take a bat to a goddamn printer? Oh, I love that Holy scene. That was, I, I, I can't get enough cathartic. of that scene. That's a cathartic scene. <laughs> I've always wanted to smash a printer. He's like, I got you guys something. <laughs> I, love- well, I even enjoyed, too, that like the day he doesn't give a fuck, he just yeah. goes in and he asks the girl yeah, to date right him. Like just, and just yeah. gets her because he's just confident. And I even enjoyed that, even though it's an office movie, and she gets a lot of shit for the flair, and yeah. the flair. It's ironic because the flair is supposed to make you individualistic, yet yes. you still need to become or hit, you, gotta conform. Yeah, you have to conform to everyone else. Yeah. So it's still within any role where you're in, like the the kind of that bottom level. It seems to just mutually suck. She's like for everybody. Fuck you. That was Mike Judge himself playing her boss uh, in the restaurant. I even yeah. enjoyed the fucking the dweeby. Waiter who's like, oh, he's oh, got a guy, case of the Mondays. Guy, oh my god, and that phrase, holy shit, it irks me to this day. In this movie, fucking started. I didn't realize it going, came from that movie. Someone's got a case of the Mondays, and I was like, just punch that fucking person. Just stop. Don't say that. <laughs> I, my other favorite line from Michael Bolton, where he goes, "I told those fudge packers I like Michael Bolton's music." So I like good. pound me in the ass prison. <laughs> He's like, we're not going to a fun prison. We're going to a pound me in the ass prison. You have old face. I'm going to show her my old face. That came from this movie. Oh, my old face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that came from this movie. Uh, that came from this movie, too. Oh There's so many things that came from this movie that are still in the pop culture lexicon today. Uh, yeah, it's fucking great. I could watch this every day. It's just a fun movie. And. Tackles things that are, you know, can appeal to a lot of people, but does so in such a clever, just slapstick fun, not even slapstick, but just a fun way with the very clever dialogue and very well-timed comedy, especially the some of the lines. It's just perfect one my, timing. One of my favorite things in this movie is the guy who lives next Lawrence, door to him. I was going to oh, say. And he always yes. tells him when there's tits on screen. Hey, Peter, <laughs> he man, check out Channel 9. Wall. <laughs> that channel find his boobs. My favorite is when he's like, "Everyone agreed. No, nobody talks about this." And they're like, "Agreed." And you hear Lawrence go, "Don't worry, man. I won't tell anyone either." I'm across <laughs> the th- next door. He's like, "Who the fuck is that?" He's like, "Don't worry about but it." Like, this is the thing. Lawrence. Okay, so this dude, he's he's pussy whipped by his girlfriend, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, he's cheating he, on him. He can't stand up for himself. Yeah. You know, whatever. He hates his job, and everybody on his job, like you know, basically. He does all the work and everything. He doesn't get any glory out of it. And um, what the fuck was my point? <laughs> God damn it. Well, I'll just I add on it. that not only does he is he pussy whipped, but everyone knows 
that his girlfriend yeah. is cheating on Everyone's him. like, yeah, and I they can see that, man. Yeah. Like, what and he's mean? still like, well, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the movie, he just wants to be a like, fucking construction worker. Right. right. Yeah, he br- but like, no, the thing I was going to, the point I was going to make is even though that his life is in disarray and he's, he's kind of this pussy whip guy, he still kind of has a life, right? He has a car. Yeah. He goes to work. He has an apartment. He watches TV. He has a beer. Like, he's not this like, Guy who's like uh, trying to scrape together food, you well, know, he's like, an every man, like every man, every man. So he's got like he's he's got all the creature comforts. Basically, he's not rich by any man, amount of imagination, but he's not poor either. So it's kind of like this kind of like middle class yeah. like guy. You'd think that like everybody's talking about, oh, well, if we could just get out of poverty, we'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. You would just have a different kind of problem, you know, a different kind of soul crushing, you know, like you. you OK, so you've achieved the ability to sustain yourself in an apartment and live your life. But what is your life? Like, what does it consist of? It's just, what are you doing that even matters? And, and how does the corporate structure just fucking completely sap any kind of liveliness from your, from from your personality Soul and your crushing. life? You can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Especially with HR and all this stuff. Like, you, you can't even have conversations in offices anymore. I don't know how it well, is to work in an office, but like, can you even like be a person in an office anymore? Can you have a job you love and uh, you know enjoy? I think it's ironic the way he regresses. You know, he wants he has a, a secure office job, obviously with benefits and health insurance and a regular paycheck, but he regresses to going fishing, to being in construction. And I thought, looking at it now in 2020, when there's what 50 million people filed for unemployment, it's just interesting that he gives up a fucking job now that anyone would yeah, everybody jump wants to be in an office right yeah now, everybody right? wants that job and this is the era when you're trying to break out of the cubicle man we've come along it's been crazy it's been a crazy six months much less 20 years since this movie came out tps reports i think also started here which they talk about in, in friends in the 90s we're, we're putting a cover sheet on those tps you, reports. Mm, yeah and the passive aggressiveness of lumberg oh, yeah. is fantastic everyone's um, dealt with someone that's like yes, that i'm gonna need you to just uh go ahead and come in tomorrow that would be great okay fucking okay oh just punch him <laughs> isn't that scene where he's trying to run away from lumberg like uh like neo yes, in yes, the matrix yes, trying to go from yes, smith he needed yes. somebody to guide him through the office yeah there's a lot of 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 similarities to the, those other movies so he's he the one like neo he he's neo. figures it out not giving a yeah. fuck is the, the he's essentially neo for that moment he is the gen x ideal like you said uh standing up against sellout ism the dream of the 90s uh all that shit fucking I mean, he's neo he's He's Lester from he's American Durden, Ro- American Beauty, where he just quits his job. Yep, yep. He's he's kind of what's his face, the narrator from Fight Club as well. He's like, Tyler he's, Durden. He's a, he doesn't a, give a, a lot fuck. of these people. Yeah, yeah. In this hilarious, it, it, it all culminates in office space. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy that all these movies, isn't that nuts? Are are about the same thing and it came like, out. So year. what do you what do you think about this? What do you think about the state of um of working? Like, and like, you know, basically you go to high school, you have to try and figure out like some direction to go to. Then you go to college and you start to specialize and then you graduate and you get that job. And then you're like, realize that none of that shit that you learned has fucking any meaning and that you're just gotta just provide this, whatever service they hired you to do. 
And uh, you might not even be getting the credit for your work. Right. Well, he makes a good point when he's talking to those consultants. He goes, you know, I come in and I, I stare at my computer. I zone out for an hour. I probably get about 15 minutes of work done a week. And he goes, you know what? If the X, if Inatech makes a dime, uh, makes X amount of dollars more, I don't see a dime of it. So you know what that does? That motivates me to just do the bare minimum every day. Yep. And I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, That's you're kind of right. Well, if if, yeah. if you had no incentive, if you were yep. in a job where the growth of that company wasn't incentivized by your production, or you weren't incentivized by the growth of a company, you might. This is how a lot of people just get by every day. They just go, you know what? I'm just going to do enough to look busy and get by every day because I've, I'm not. This this job isn't fulfilling. There's no financial reward. My yeah. salary doesn't change. Yeah. So yeah, I could see how. I, there's a lot of people that are like that. It's like a first and the fifteenth, like the first of the month yeah. and the fifteenth, you get paid, right. and that's why you show up, not for any other reason. Yeah. Other than that, I I think work culture today is similar and a lot different. I would say it's, I would say yes. That's at the same time and different and different. Where now you know you get stock options and things which may incentivize you more. You have these crazy open campuses where you know the work environment isn't all cubicle. It's a little more. I, I think there's a lot more awareness around the fact that people feel like they're just a cog in the wheel and they don't feel fulfilled by their. They're, especially within an office, yeah. their office jobs. And I think a lot of these offices are a lot smarter and more progressive about figuring out ways to engage employees. So you get to wear jeans on Friday. Hawaii, basically. Remember Hawaiian t-shirt <laughs> night on, on Friday. I, I do remember <laughs> my old job. That was an incentive. And I always used to be like, this is not a fucking this incentive. Is no, we had similar incentive of <laughs> jeans Fridays. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't really too. Well, I think that the millennials and, uh, and, the 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 Z generation yeah, or whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. them, they're they want something different than their parents had or right. whatever. They they don't want this corporate bullshit kind of line. This my generation and that generation, whether whether good or bad, whatever you think about them, I, there's there's not a lot of people. There's not a, ma- a majority of people that would allow this to happen to our generation. I think that a lot of us just want as you mentioned something different and are very vocal and maybe even entitled about the fact that they need something different i think companies yeah. are more aware of work-life balances these days yeah, they too. just suck it up and do yeah. it right but yeah. like i know that it's soul crushing and it is bullshit and it does need to change to a and especially now that i've been working from home for like four months i'm like the fuck is the point of even going in office really what was i doing I, you know i would spend you would spend so much. Think about how much time you spend in an office more than at home. You know, eight, nine hours a day. It's crazy. This is funny that office space is kind of putting, pointing us in this direction. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff I've read where coronavirus could definitely change the way. Oh, absolutely. People are not only going to work, but where they're choosing to live. And the fact that rent is so high in the cities because people choose to live in the cities because they want to be closer to their job. Which and then in turn raises the rent on smaller and smaller square footage places. People are moving but, out, but we've kind of proven, at least the people that are working from home all the time, that you don't need to live in the city and you don't need to be paying exorbitant amounts of rent, and you can do the same job at home. So this virus might destroy the whole city work structure. I would be okay with that. Oh, Look, shit. I, it seems productivity in our case 
is there and in some cases has gone up. There's less interruptions. And I, I think people are just happier in general. And it would it would destroy this whole office dynamic that a lot of these 1999 movies were talking about how horrible it was. And landlords, I'm sure, are not happy about this. But I have read stories, like you said, people moving out into the suburbs because they can be remote. A lot of big companies like Facebook, Twitter, telling their employees, this is permanent don't, work from don't home. Don't come back. Yeah. We don't need it. And, and on the other hand, you save money at the overhead of an office if you don't have to pay for an office. Or maybe the office is cheaper now. The, yeah, I'm sure a lot of rent is going down for spaces and retail spaces also. Uh, it's a little risky. And in some cases, you're going to have to stay remote, depending how this Rona fucking thing won't go right. away. Oh, we're in it for another six months. Yeah, it's not going away. It's not going away until next year, even per- then. Personally, I think it, there's you need there needs to be a balance. Yeah, if we're going to get into this office talk, I don't think you can fully let everyone work from home because there's a lot of people people having been a manager that need to actually be managed to ah, do a job. That's a good and point. If you leave them off to their own devices, they they'll sit it. off, sit around yeah. at home, and beat yeah. off all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think a good balance of having people in the office occasionally, but then working from home, I think. That would be the new direction. Some it's kind of accountability. A, built yeah, in. A little having people in the office to all still create the feeling of a culture and yeah. uh, coworkers because I think that is important to have coworkers and have camaraderie and That's have true. That's uh, true. the feeling of working together. But then also giving people the the leeway and the independence to get the job done on their own if need be. I so do I think miss that's where it's going. The camaraderie, but then yeah, I think that like a like couple days on, a couple yeah, days yeah, off is yeah, good. That would be great. That would be great. Uh, all right, Anthony, you mentioned you wanted you had some comments overall about the four movies or the movies in general. Just the movies so far, um, and then we'll write. I know. Them. I think we might be doing more. We'll see. Well, we're going to we'll do part three next week. We've we, yes, three or four. We, I think uh, Rug Boy has already told us what we're going to do. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that after show. Yeah, but uh, one of the kind of I mean, all these movies so far, even Office Space, yeah, can just provoke so much conversation and have so many different deep themes yeah. that you don't necessarily see all yeah. the time in movie making so it's kind of crazy that all these movies have all this uh depth to them but um that one of the kind of the themes i picked up on pervasing through a lot of these movies is just who do you want to be yes and a lot of these movies are just dealing with you know identity Identity, right. Yeah. It, it, like, who do you want to be? What kind of trauma has affected you? Yeah. And where are you going moving forward? And what choices you have and all those things. So I feel like it's just a common thing. And maybe it's because of the fact that what Rugboy mentioned earlier, how the 80s was fun and then the 90s is kind of a reckoning. So it's just interesting pointing that out and thinking I about th- it. I think that the 90s were a search for meaning, right? We were like kind of like, all looking. I mean, even uh, Imran saying he was in art school and he was in th- thinking that art needed to come from pain yeah. and all this other stuff. Like, I think we're in the nineties. Everybody was kind of searching, and uh, it, it's a longing to search, and it's a longing to to kind of confront yourself and figure out, uh, yeah, what what are you going to be? What are you going to do about yourself? Um, are you going to be honest with yourself? Are you going to finally be honest with yourself? And uh, are you going to try and uh, take what all these bad things that you've done or things that's happened to you and, and do something with it? So um, 
it's not about just crum- like I think that like nowadays adversity is just a reason to give up, right? You, you know, like or a reason for people to pity you and everything. But in the nineties, adversity was a, is a transformative yeah, thing. Yeah. All right. Adversity is something that makes you better. Yeah. Adversity is something that makes you kind of know about life. Like you really have experienced life because you've experienced all that life is not just only only good and only praise, but life is also about fucking hitting bottom and figuring out like, oh, where do you go now that you've hit bottom? Now what? And um, I think that's great advice. Well, and also just to add, add on to that, I think a lot of these movies are all, even though I mentioned it, tying it to Iron Giant, all these movies have an existential theme to them. Or a lot of them do. And like now, it seems like we're kind of getting away from existentialism and thinking, bit. oh, well, this is just who I am. You have to accept it. Ah. Right? Whereas existential is like who am existence I? precedes essence. So it's yeah. you choose who you are. You have the, the, the decision making to decide where yeah. your life is going. It's not just stuff that's built into you and this is just how you are. You choose. And now it seems like a lot of people are like, "Well, this is who I am, yeah. and uh, you, you can't you can't do anything about it." Like, there's no is, questioning. Yeah, there's no questioning all this really stuff anymore. So, interesting it's observation. Interesting. It's almost the opposite of where it was 20 years ago in that and that decade. A L- lot of existential themes uh, throughout a lot of these movies. Well, I think I, I was getting at this like last week about constructs and how things, uh, w- you know, society builds them all the time, and just because you tear one down doesn't mean another one doesn't exist. So I think that we're just replacing our old constructs, yeah. which used to be these cubicles and expectations, and we're putting up with new constructs of who you should be now. You should be more this. You should be that. Mm. You should be for this. You should be against that. And all of these constructs are now uh, – they're invisible to the people now, but eventually they're going to become so oppressive that they're going to have to have a reckoning. So I do think that a reckoning is coming. I do think a, a catharsis, a transformative event, is going to come in the future. We need another Matrix. Uh, where and, and there's going to be another '90s. Mm. There's going to be another Can't dark, wait. dark, rich time yeah. that's going to be full of, uh, full of important things. It's not just going to gloss over things with like euphemisms and yeah. you know, uh, you know, like uh, false. Uh, adulation and stuff like that that that's going to disgust people you know um false praise and all that other, and that's going to disgust people in, in about 10 years they're going to be over with that and they're going to be like, let's get down to the nitty-gritty let's fucking be honest about how fucked up we are let's fucking let's deal with this shit yeah i think it's it feels like right now everyone we're kind of like there's this train moving and Snowpiercer? it's a fast moving train and it's telling people it's like on this path of this is how you should be and this is how you should act and you should know about all these things and if you don't know all, all these things that like get off the goddamn train mm. and like every this train's moving so fast that it's not really picking up more people than it's letting go yeah and i think at one point at some point as rugs is hitting it i think there's gonna be a lot of people off this hypothetical train like wait a minute what the fuck i never even got a chance to ride and now you've thrown me off the bus and now I'm labeled as a racist or I'm labeled as an ignorant or I'm labeled as someone when you've never even given me a chance to learn. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with that fucking train. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's a construct. Yeah. We construct these new ways the of being. And then we think that we're like tearing down 
and we're just actually reinforcing other ones mm. and uh, people don't see it and it, it soon's going it soon's going to be very evident even in the, in our art right the the movies everything becomes this formula right everything becomes this way that this is the only way to do movies now because this is how it's been successful at a certain point people are going to lose their their, their thirst for these things and they're going to be like well i've seen every single fucking you know uh version of franchise yeah. you can do yeah. of this kind of shit like now what uh, when are we going to get back to some original stories it, it, it's going to happen there's going to yes. be a time where the public's going to want more i think you're right not, not only a franchise but a very sanitized version yes. of the franchise it's gonna cycle back i mean i was just flipping through twitter today yeah. and there was a big push for like uh trending of let's remove sex scenes from all movies what? and tv shows what? and i was like i i didn't really i do think that a lot of them are gratuitous first of yeah. all so i don't disagree no. But I but saying that is kind of like now you're like not letting people do yeah. their artistic. How are you going to make a blanket fucking boycott of that? Like that doesn't make you sense. Can't. Uh, it, some movies need it. Yeah, some movies it, don't. Some movies have them that don't need them. Yes, and I agree. Yes. Some 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 of them. I mean, they need to be there. If, if it's part of the story you're telling, it's it needs to be there. I mean, I don't know. It adds to a reality. It is something that we do in our reality, right? So um, art imitates life. So you can't just ignore it because you want to sanitize it. So we're getting to this puritanical way of thinking, right? We we've tried to like uh, get rid of that whole puritanical way of, and now it's coming back. But we're putting it on ourselves. It's not being enforced by a religion or an institution. Mm. It's being enforced by just you know culture. Uh, yeah. Um. Good stuff, guys. Uh, one more favorite line from Office Space, where Bob goes, "Samir Naga, Naga, not gonna work here anymore." Uh, it's a little racist, <laughs> but it's super funny. It's fucking hilarious. And he's like, "How hard is it to say my name?" Uh, it's fucking hilarious. Well, so last week we ranked the movies in the four grouping of four. Let's go around. Let's do the same thing. I'm kind of interested to see where these movies lie in your eyes, Anthony. Well, want to go first? I mean, probably not the best made movie out of the four, but my favorite is Office Space, so I'm going to have that number one. I like that. Number two, Iron Giant. Number three, being John Malkovich, and then number four, Mangold. As you probably could have predicted. And can I tell you that my ranking is exactly the same? (laughs) Yeah. So, Ruggs, where would you put this? I would put... It's uh, Iron Giant first. Oh, okay. Office Space second. Uh, Magnolia third, what? and then Malkovich on the. Board. You really didn't oh, like that. Shit. Wow. Yeah. Well, I feel like, I feel like, all you had to do with Magnolia is cut stuff out, and I, I, I think that with Malkovich you had to do a different ending. He- so, I feel like that that's a little bit better than than the other thing. Here's a quick question: Are any of these movies outranking for you guys personally the four movies we talked about last week? Mm, that's a good question. We're in the same club. I'm going to say some are close in the no, same not club, for me. but not the outranging. The ones that we did last week are far, far. I, I would I would agree. I think these are... are I would say four. Iron Giant and Office Space are like right up against the next yes, they're, level yes, right there. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But the top that was the top tier last week, we, clearly. Yeah, we, I, think, I felt like we... After, especially after watching these movies, I, I felt like we hit the top so tier. So without... We're going to do, do part three 
uh, next week. I mean, this will be okay. 12 movies. We've already watched eight movies in two weeks. It's fucking, it's a lot. But I don't want to. We've reviewed eight movies. We've reviewed and watched eight movies. So we'll do another. In two shows. In two shows. We're going to do another four because this is an amazing year. Might as well keep rolling. I am enjoying revisiting these movies without giving away the movies, fellas. The list is in our show notes. Uh, You want to give the listener a hint or should we just tell them? A little hint? I want to tease them. You know what? I'm going to leave this up to Ruggs because he picked these four. Oh, I I picked these four, but uh, I am open to other suggestions. I just picked these because of the. I don't know, Imran. What do you think? I like these four. I think I it, like these four. I think it's a good lineup. Okay, here. I was thinking about this. Here's my little teaser phrase. Uh, it's very obscure, and maybe some is obvious. Uh, you can vote for your favorite person in America's Got Talent, but don't stop. Do this instead, and make your way to a wild sex party. There's my sentence about the four oh, movies. Okay. I like <laughs> Next it. week. Right. Figure it out. Listen, let's do I like, very let's nice. Do news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. <laughs> oh. Another, <laughs> another blowout. Oh, that smells. Can you smell it? It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. We got a lot of uh, great comments from uh, part one of this series from last week. Paul Mast comments on our Facebook page. Just in addition to the comment about the five bloods, three kings, and whatever the other one was, we can all be traced to the movies like Kelly's Heroes, Clint Eastwood in an ensemble cast, and others as well. Great show, guys. Peep you later. Uh, Jim McPike, our resident historian, uh, says, just as some additional cultural context for that same period in history, there was a philosophical concept called the end of history that speculated Western-style representative democracy would spread around the world in the wake of the Cold War, and that would be the end of humanity's socio-political development. Middle-class white people had so few problems that they thought they solved the human condition what do, you, what do you guys think about that? I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I, I I didn't know what that meant. It's Jim McPike. Can, he's deep. Jimmy, can you Jimmy say that? Uh, respond next week in English. Okay, yeah. All right. So cultural in, context in English that us us Creatins would understand for the same period in history. What is he talking? What period is he talking about? All right. There was a philosophical concept called the end of history. Yes. That speculated Western style representative democracy, which is what we have. Yeah. It spread around the world, and no one would develop because of that. What? Because what? Democracy would solve everybody's problems, and it doesn't. Democracy leads to more, more bureaucracy. It's and yeah. uh, it makes more problems. So I don't know what he's talking about. Okay, well, Jim McPike can clear it up. <laughs> Joe Henry says episode three three five. I'm stupid. He's a he's a smart he's guy. He's very I'm smart. Idiot, he like, knows his shit. Joe Henry says episode 335 was great, guys. Love the collection of 1995 films you reviewed. Like Imran and Rugboy, Fight Club is one of my all-time favorites. It's rare that I come out of the movie theater and feel like I've seen a truly great film. Fun fact, that scene where Brad Pitt said to Edward Norton, you hit my ear, wasn't scripted. Edward Norton really hit him, and that was his honest reaction that David Fincher kept in the film. However, The Matrix, American Beauty, Sixth Sense are all phenomenal films as well. 
Yes, they are, Joe Henry. And Lawrence Martinez says, great pod, brought back fond memories, enjoyed it. And those chapter, the podcast chapters are a nice feature. You have your one. Talking nerd. Thank you, my man Lawrence. There you go. You got you got the validation. I needed right there. the validation for the extra work. I will continue to put in podcast there you go. chapters. Fiddlesticks checking in, and Fiddlesticks is always good for picking other years we can look at. He says, 1972 might be a good year to review some movies. For one, it'll give Anthony a reason to finally watch The Godfather. Yeah. You should watch that. Two other musty movies from that here are The Lady Sings, Lady Sings the Blues and Deliverance. You have Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, Slaughterhouse Five, Superfly, not the first black exploitation film, but the one whose huge success paved the way for 70s black exploitation explosion of movies. Then you had the Kung Fu movies. 72 had two movies starring the man that got everyone Kung Fu fighting. In the U.S., Bruce Lee, Fist of Fury, and Way of the Dragon were released in 1972, and Bruce started working on Game of Death that same year, and he adds porn also went mainstream in 72 with a hit that introduced oral to middle America, Deep Throat. It was the sixth highest grossing film of 72, and I remember reading in 72, like, this Deep Throat porn was just in, like, normal theaters. Yeah, it was. It's crazy. Isn't that great? That's amazing. <laughs> a simpler time. And Pee Wee Herman was in those. Things. Yes, and Pee Wee Herman was yeah. decorating the backs of all the seats. Yes, oh, he was painting the town white. Yes, here's another year that this one I love. I I wanted to do. I really want to do a year in the '80s. There's some fucking phenomenal years. Fiddlesticks. Yeah, it's hard to pick the perfect one. So Fiddlesticks suggests 1984. I think I had brought that up last. He week. says a good choice for the Oscar slot review is Amadeus, which is a fucking great film. Another great movie is Purple Rain. Uh, highest grossing jock and nerd kind of films for that year are Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. This is a good year. Gremlins, The Karate Kid, Star Trek Three, Footloose, Splash, Police Academy. Uh, then you also have sci-fi favorites, The Terminator, Repo Man. You got 16 Candles. This is Spinal Tap, Bachelor Party, Red Dawn, Revenge of the Nerds, Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter, Nightmare on Elm Street, Children of the Corn, The Natural, you got Dune, Conan the Destroyer, Starman, The Killing Fields, Never Ending Story, and of course the movie 1984, and well, Supergirl. So that's a and once upon a time in America. Once upon a time in America, not in that's Hollywood. A good year. That might be a year we have to we have to do three or four. I I love at the least eighties movies, and that's a fucking solid year. You could do multiple episodes. Thanks for all the suggestions, guys. Let's finish up with some. What are we watching? Uh, and well, what is America? Well, watching? like the rest of America, who is five years late to the phenomenon. I fucking loved Hamilton on Disney Plus. I love this movie. I watched it twice and the songs are stuck in my head. It is. I knew you would be an instant dude, it's fa- Look at I knew what it. Lin-Manuel Miranda is like uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. It reminded me so much of Jesus Christ Superstar and that he's telling this epic story. Everything is sung. There's no dialogue and it's so well written. And uh, I I really enjoyed Hamilton. I did I did enjoy the actual production of the film. I mean of the of the play, yeah. and I did enjoy a lot of it. I just was just like, I was like, the context of everything when they were what they're actually talking about. I'm like, this is kind of like very very uh, inaccurate in a lot of ways. But um, 
whatever. Like I did enjoy it. I did have fun, and I thought it was it's actually art pretty rugs. cool. Art doesn't necessarily need to be accurate all I, the time. I, this is the thing, though. This is the thing that bothers me is that, like, people are shitting on all these other things for being inaccurate and being whitewashed or whatever, and then this is for some reason being lauded, and it, um, I always find it to be confusing. And uh, hypocritical. It is fascinating no? that just five years ago, it was an entirely different context. This thing came out and it was celebrated and it still should be the accomplishment of what he's done here. The fact it took him six years. He wrote all the words, the music, the melody. It's the, the stage it's production. It's a great piece of art. It is a I great do piece think of it's art. a great musical. Yeah. And I just I do think that it is. If you're just looking at the like, like you're watching Braveheart because it's Braveheart and not the story of William Wallace. Fucking love that movie, yeah. right? But as soon as someone points out, oh, this is fucking completely wrong, and then that's the reason why people hate that movie yeah. or the fact that Mel Gibson's in it, um, then they're like, oh, I hate that movie. It sucks. And I feel like, okay, if you can do that to that movie, then you can do you that can to do this that play. to this. But I think art is in but, art is in a special place that they can play with things. You can leave things out. And actually, on Disney Plus, there's a great half an hour interview with the cast and. Lynn Manuel Miranda kind of talks about he's look I all the criticisms are valid I did the best that I could uh, I wanted to tell their story using people from now uh, and 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 in that essence the perspective of the founding father story from his point of view using uh you know hip hop is is amazing and that in itself is an accomplishment but then. For him to tie in everything together with the lyrics and this epic sprawling story no, I mean, is fucking crazy. In a song, from a songwriting standpoint, yeah. it's it's pretty fucking incredible. Dude, there's even so there's there's stuff you miss there. So remember at the end, the final duel, uh, when it, it pauses as the duel's happening, and there's a, a a stage player there, and she's kind of holding the bullet, and she's you know she's bringing the bullet closer to him. That person, she represents death. If you watch it again. Throughout the movie, she only shows up in times of death. She represents the embodiment of death. And I didn't even catch that until I read that. Loud. I was like, holy shit. Like, it's so thoughtful. I I didn't. This is what one of the things that bothered me is that the single stage thing. Yeah. I, I, I felt like that that could have been be done better. I was like very bored looking at the same set throughout the whole thing. And, you know, really, the, the costumes really didn't change much. So it's basically you're watching like a th like almost a three hour long uh, like song done in the with the same setting and everything. It's not nothing's really there to like kind of nothing's a feast for the eyes. Basically, I mean it's all about the um, the, 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 the the words and the music. And I love the rotating the rotating platform. I went to see cool. King Kong, yeah. all right, on Broadway. Yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and yeah. that shit was fucking bonkers. Well, that was a right? crazy. There was marionette. like there yeah. was like fucking graphics yeah. and fucking all kinds of scenery changes and yeah. that added so much more yeah. to the musical sure. and i felt like this was stripped down and it was fine but like i was like oh that could use it could use some of this cool context visual context that they didn't really have um so i think that that was lacking but as i said from a songwriting standpoint and from uh the way that all of these one of the most things i, I was impressed by was like everybody's um, theme yeah. is sung into everybody else's yep, theme. Yep. And it's done flawlessly. They did that a lot. So as a yeah. composer, yeah. I fucking give little Manuel Miranda fucking huge props because that shit was like some baller shit that he was doing. So very similar to so, Jesus Christ Superstar. You hear a yeah. lot of that in there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
So it was fucking great. And I think that was the greatest part of it is, is the songwriting, uh, the, the lyrics and the composition of all of these like themes kind of intertwining and in, uh, weaving in and out of each other through, through the thing. It was very impressive. But I said, like, I visually it left a lot to be desired. And I said, uh, and historically in context, I feel like that there's a lot of un- stuff that went untold uh, to kind of pitch this to a certain opinion. Well, there is so. untold stuff, but look at all the shit he shoves in in a two and a half hour fucking musical. There's a lot there. I didn't mind the bare aesthetic. I actually thought it was filmed very well. I didn't realize. Well, uh, when the guy that you're making, uh, look, I'm sorry to point this out, but when the guy that you're making the whole musical about is a monarchist that wants all of the power to be in the government and wants George Washington to never not be president and never step down. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's fucking huge. That's, that's kind of like anti everything yeah. that this country is. It's in there. And the fact that he used the banks yeah, and, yeah. you know, was, was very finance. He's like a tycoon. He wanted to be like Donald Trump, you know, like he wanted to be like this rich. These are flawed, complex characters that. But th- that's what I'm saying. It's like it paints him as this like, like abolitionist that wants to fight for freedom. And he really, they're really like putting that. They're, they're kind of painting him that I way. See, that, I see. I see. I see. I get it. I, I have one comment. Yeah. You should watch this, Anthony. You might enjoy it. So on Saturday, I was at a buddy's place. We had dinner, having some drinks. They threw this on because they're all big Hamilton people and they love it. They threw it on. I was watching bits and pieces of it. Throughout the entire thing, I wasn't really paying attention, but I'd have one of my friends go, so are you sold yet on Hamilton? <clears throat> and I'd look at it and I'd go... Nope, and I continue about my <laughs> well, day. You have so, to my night. Sit so that was about it. That's all I got. You have to sit and watch Hamilton. it from the beginning. Oh, really? to, What's that? No, I didn't watch. That's I what, mean, I was I was barely paying attention. I'm saying if you sat and paid attention. Are you a musical person, Anthony? I don't know. I I the only musical I've seen that I it's the only musical I've seen uh, as an adult is Book of Mormon, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, that's great. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I probably wouldn't appreciate a musical. I've seen. I saw one show on Broadway when I was in New York, but it was like a hip hop improv. You like show. the Greatest Showman. I did like yeah. the Greatest Showman. You like music, but I wouldn't say. It, I mean, I liked it, but it's not like I want an experience. Yeah. I want to go back to. I, listen, I'd be if you sit down and watch this. It's long, but if you pay attention, I think I, I also didn't like Rocky Horror Picture. <laughs> well, that's different. That's a, yeah, but I think you would appreciate the thought and the way this thing is written if you sit down and and watch. Sure. The I whole thing. I do think artistically, it's got a lot yeah, going yeah. for it. So as a work of art, I think it's incredible. As a historical. Uh, representation of Hamilton. I find it's a little bit shaky, and that's basically it, you know. And I feel like visually, it could have used a little bit more. Appeal. I fucking love it. Five stars. I'm surprised to learn that they shot this in 2016, and they were waiting for now to release it in the theaters. And then the COVID hit, and they had to put it out on Disney Plus. Disney paid 75 million dollars. Oh shit! For uh, to play this and it got a 64% increased bump in downloads and subscription. So it's a win-win all around. I don't think, you know, it's better. You can watch this at home. I love that you could hear the audience. Hey, you should watch it. If you're into musicals in, in the very least, it's incredible to it's watch. So definitely yeah. check it so, out. Um, yeah. uh, it's worth, but remember, this is not a document of history. No, it's a fucking uh, art. Music. Go into your musical. actual research yes. and, and I think that this the great thing about this is that maybe this will get people to actually sure. look up Hamilton sure. and then go, oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay. I mean, the base story is true and it's pretty wild as it is. You know, the story he does tell. 
What's the story from your perspective? Just like this guy was an immigrant that came in and 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 joined the revolution and 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 helped build this experiment, this democracy of a a, a new country that had never been done and fought off the British and then and had you know and had scandals and had to out himself and he was not perfect. Uh, everyone's kind of a flawed character. It's fucking great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. Anything else? Any final words, people? Uh, I've been watching the uh, Warrior Nun. I watched the first episode. It is pretty good, and I have not watched any more. It's one of those things that has so much potential yeah. and just inches towards it so slowly yeah. that you just get frustrated and go, just fucking get to the point already. <laughs> What the fuck are we the doing concept. here? The setup was good, and it just didn't hook me. You got look, to watch again. You got fucking all of this stuff. You got a bunch of hot girls. Yeah. You got uh, exotic locales. Guns. All right, you got guns. <laughs> guns you and got nuns. fucking some fucking uh, Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code super bullshit powers. going on. You got some superpowers, uh, but they can't make it happen. Yeah. They got some like. CGI going on. They got some fucking portals into fucking all this type of shit going on. They got this great. The concept is great. They take a halo, a halo from an a, actual angels. Halo angel yeah. is embedded into a person and gives them powers. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I've never heard that That's before. That's cool. fucking cool. Yeah. Let's fucking like yeah. they get some half ass angel powers. All right, and whatever. I'm like, I some Buffy shit. Like I'm down. Well, for in this that. case, it brings the girl back to life and gives her powers. Yeah, so they do the sword with this, which is the sword is uh paraplegic girl oh, right. gets the sword and also has superpowers. Yeah. Oh, and she was paraplegic so they, when she was alive before, yeah. So yeah, so see so now all of a sudden she can do things she never can do, and she like just walking is a big deal for her. So like all of these things are cool, but like they just take forever and it's not like gratifying, like you know, at all. It spins like, so its, it's like, wheels a little bit. You have to you yeah, you have to inch through and then, I think that hopefully next season yeah they'll figure it out but like it's almost like you know when you watch a marvel show yeah. that was on netflix yeah. and you're like why is this taking so long yeah why is there yeah. so much filler yeah. why are they fucking padding this out like like walking dead was doing this too oh, where they just so took forever to get anything done decompress writing it suffers yeah it was bad it's bad it's bad it's Fuck, bad it's i bad. don't know but Lompy John, you might like it watch the rest you might like it for the concept and the potential that it has and you know the girl's cute in it whatever so <laughs> All right. I'm hoping that it gets this shit together. I don't know if I'm going to watch. Maybe. I don't know. I have ongoing series I've really been enjoying lately. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been fucking oh fucking great and crazy. Uh, Stargirl is actually a, not a bad show. It's got me hooked. Uh, Snowpiercer starring to be Diggs from Hamilton. Also, how do you have this much time? I don't know. It comes in and I watch it. They're doing some good takes on the Snowpiercer. There's some twists. It's not bad. And then Doom Patrol. Uh, and HBO Max also very good. So I've been enjoying those along with watching four fucking movies and Hamilton twice. Oh, wow. Shit. How did I watch all that stuff? Unbelievable. Uh, these four movies yeah. took up all my free time. It's like eight hours of movies right there. Uh, all right, listener, listen, if you enjoy the show, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We're trying to get to 200. We have 125. Talking nerd. Just need 75 more. So if you're in the US and have an iOS device, Light up those stars. Give us a rating. If you don't have an iOS device, you got a Windows computer, you can download iTunes. Also give us an Apple podcast rating. We would appreciate it. Rugs, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at really rug boy. 
Come say hi. Where you will see a bizarre collection of cameos from independent wrestlers and other people. Just and nobody knows. Just streaming in. It's quite a bizarre thing going on over there. It's great. It's all the work of David. David Mobile, Rugboy's biggest fan. Visit the show notes at jogginner.com slash three three six for links to everything we talked about, how to stay in touch, how to subscribe, how to support, and tell a friend. Get everyone turned on to the Jock and Nerd Empire of Stupidity. Jock and Nerd. Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. He's a we'll nerd. We'll you next time. This is going great. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's really good. Fuck that show.